Can you be quiet, please? Thank you. Welcome to Pirate Radio Live. There's local politics, bud. I want to shake his hand. I want to shake his hand. I want to shake his hand. Was that supposed to be funny? Get these clowns out of here. Why would they do that? You were having a freaking game. Dude. It's a cocky bunch, man. Now live from the Pirate Radio Studios in the heart of the Pirate Nation, here is your host, Clip Brock. We are having a freaking show. I love the freaking game from Mike Houston in the open. Awesome stuff. Great job on that open, Shirley Rhodes. Welcome into Pirate Radio Live here on a Wednesday. Some call it hump day. Welcome in to Pirate Radio 92.7 FM in Greenville, 104.1 in Washington. You can find us on... 125930 also online pr927fm.com and not quite on facebook or youtube yet which means i wish we had more wilson phillips to play well it was all that i could do chandler honeycutt's here thank you appreciate it i'll let i'll let you sing this one You don't know the lyrics to the song? I didn't know this part. And you don't have to call me darling. One, two, three, darling. You never even call me by my name. That was pretty good. So, yeah, when we're not on Facebook and YouTube, we can play songs and sing songs and not get in trouble for it. Uh, We hope to be on Facebook and YouTube here shortly so you can be a part of our show today and so you can see our handsome faces. Chandler, I did not see people's most sexiest men this year. Uh, Did we get invited to the list are we nominated are we on the list i got my invitation oh really <laughs> <laughs> well, yep. oh, well this is awkward this is embarrassing you're not, guy, Trust me. you're not that guy congratulations man yeah man um i've been trying to make it for 40 years now yeah um look you'll get there one day i hope so you'll get there one I day i think i'm getting better uh, as the days go on all right I uh, shake his hand. thank you where are we we are attempting to get on facebook live and youtube in the meantime i'll tell you all that we have going on on today's program because it is a busy show the voice jeff charles will join us coming up in a few minutes to recap east carolina nc state look ahead to old dominion talk about other topics in the world of sports mark brown came to chat.com joins us later this hour i i recorded an interview with mark right before the show on tuesday we were going to air it but then J.J. McLam was able to come in live, so we went extended uh, with J.J. McLam yesterday. If you uh, missed that, I'm sure you've heard about it by now. You can check that out on our YouTube, uh, Facebook, and also download it in podcast form. But uh, we went along with J.J., so I'm going to play that interview. We did – it was before the Orioles won last night. That It was kind of a must-have if they want to try to make the playoffs this year. Knocked into the Blue Jays' lead a little bit with a win last night three and a half back of the blue jays in the wild card so it was before that happened it was coming off a double header loss on monday but i uh, had a good o's chat talked about the standings and everything so you'll hear that a little major league baseball chat here during football season coming up later this hour back into football at four o'clock and for the remainder of the show we'll talk to david hall from the virginian pilot 
And uh, David previously worked with the uh, Kinston Free Press and publications here in Eastern North Carolina. He has been with the Virginian Pilot for a while now. He was at ODU's celebration on Friday night and was also at the press conference earlier this week. So have they calmed down from that win? Are they still partying? What's the mindset of the Monarchs? Who are some players to watch? We'll get into all that coming up at 4 o'clock with David Hall. Patrick Mason will join us here on a Wednesday from the Daily Reflector to talk Pirate football. Uh, Steve and I go hoist the colors. Uh, guys, I will go ahead. CJ, are you here the whole show today, or what's your uh, schedule? I'm here for a segment with Igo. You're here for a segment with Igo. Mm-hmm. All right, that's what I like to hear. Uh, today, so get your uh, award ballots ready. We're going to do this every week with Igo. For the previous game, we're going to name an offensive MVP, a defensive MVP, the Bird Up Award, which is players that provided a spark. The best unit and the worst unit as far as position groups go. Igo also wants to throw in best play. So maybe we should say best play other than the goal line stand. But uh, so get your uh, get your thoughts in order for that. We'll uh, name offensive, defensive MVPs, Bird Up Award, best unit, worst unit, best play. Uh, that uh, worst play will go to the block punt. Yes, right. for me. We'll go ahead and nominate that one for uh, worst play. All right, so I go coming up, and uh, if we have time, we'll sprinkle in some Mike Houston comments from this week's press conference. Coming up at 6 o'clock, while CJ has to leave early, uh, we will hear once again from Mike Houston for the final time this week. And I'll... Turn it up! go on we'll hear from mike houston one final time this week also donnie kirkpatrick and blake harrell the coordinator so coming up later today that will be available tonight on our social medias we'll have the audio for you on thursday all right there is the setup for the show what you got chan man oh facebook we are on facebook we are on youtube so we have some some instructions for you we need you to smash the like smash the subscribe and also tell us your favorite where are you going with this <laughs> the first album you remember owning i never owned an album did you own a cd nah you never owned a cd not that i can remember have you ever purchased an album on itunes or whatever nah. <laughs> never Mm-mm. all right well fine i'm not talking to you normal people out there listen to the show what's the first uh album first can we go a, back a, just a tad like the first 45 you ever owned when i say album i don't mean like vinyl i just mean like the first what's the word for it whole Record. album yeah are you talking like a whole album yeah like first music okay first whatever it was because the first music i had were singles that's why i was asking that that's fine as well you know what i don't care i just want people to like subscribe and type something in you know what type in fu for all you i don't care what you type nah be nice be okay. nice type in i love the show that please that don't let us know that you want a hot dog though because we we already got <laughs> through that yes. hot hot dogs? Dogs. all right <laughs> that guy was losing his mind yesterday felt <laughs> bad for him after a while 
I hate that we can't go back and see live comments after a show on YouTube because I really wanted to look at that again last night and I was unable to see it and it disappointed me. But anyway, that was from yesterday's show. By the way, if you missed it, uh, the proposed improvements coming to Daddy Ficklin Stadium this weekend, you are able, every ticket holder going in, is able to carry in two bottles of unopened water mm-hmm. per person. Uh huh. So we learned that yesterday from JJ. Don't Lamb. let anybody tell you different. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you can and you will bring in two bottles unopened water. Um, also, you there will be better communication and control over parking. Uh, so if you have a parking pass you will indeed be able to park in your designated area apparently there was a breakdown on that last week Uh, when it comes to the boneyard it sounds like they're going to put in better policies to where you get a ban so if you do exit the boneyard you can come back and get back into your seat that was discussed yesterday Uh, new ticket scanners apparently will be here in october we'll cross our fingers that the ones they currently have work saturday the following saturday and the saturday after that so that we talked about that yesterday with jj mclam uh there will be more water brought in tom and greenville asked is there any way to get like water stations drink stations i guess inside the stadium at the top of the lower bowl i believe that's what he was asking right Mm -hmm. so instead of like walking down all the way and getting in those lines you can uh, you can walk up and in your section uh, at the top there mm-hmm. and get some uh, water refreshment no food but will be uh, beverages there i know we talked about this before but tom and greenville sounds just like feel still yeah to me a little bit i can hear it a little bit all right uh kyle and the grange checking in he said best unit me worst unit jeff confer all right uh the young guns 2 soundtrack bon jovi's young guns 2 soundtrack that sounds like something up shirley's alley right there am i right shirley i'm trying to think of songs what is that like blaze of glory blaze or? of glory oh, that was a good song uh, bed that, of roses uh, i'm, I'm trying that, to remember if bed of roses is in that i don't think it's on that soundtrack but it's from the same era um or same time frame Young Guns 2 soundtrack is um, probably the most underrated soundtrack, movie soundtrack. Uh, it's very, very good. Uh, Todd said, Fat Boys. <laughs> oh, yeah, Wipeout. Wipeout. Jermaine, straight out of Compton. NWA. A crazy fella named Ice Cube in a gang called NWA. Yep um all right so the results are coming in the first 45 i ever owned was coward of the county by kenny rogers all right and the first album complete album that i remember having um was that i can remember having was probably new kids on the blocks hanging tough yeah i had that i had please hammer don't hurt them I had what was the Vanilla Ice uh, album called? Like to the uh, to the extreme. I don't think that was it. It might have been. I feel Hold like on, it was let me, something. Let me pull it up. Yeah, Google that up. That was one of the first I had. I'm thinking early '90s era. I had Millie Vanilli. 
oh yeah i had millie vanilli at the time so uh those are some of my favorites adams was uh urban cowboy yes to the extreme was the name of the, to album. the extreme well done shirley rhodes uh shame on me for questioning shirley uh on her music trivia <clears throat> well uh, i will say this I, it, it i had at one time 600 cassettes and i had an entire dresser that was nothing but my cassettes good to hear like an like actual dresser that you keep clothes in hobie good to hear from you we were uh somebody was talking about you at sports trivia at aj's a couple weeks ago hope you're doing well hobie he had the first beach boys album in 1964 oh adam had devil went down to georgia so there you go a little charlie daniels good job answering these questions people well done, well done. Well done. y'all follow Very instructions well, done, well. way to go love it love it and of still, course if you want to talk pirate football as well we can do that what still, do you got still need to hit the likes still need to hit the subscribe we got the, all these viewers and we got three freaking likes what are we even doing here come on folks what are we doing here it takes I, I all mean, of two seconds what is the i mean it actually takes I, you longer to type something in than it would be to smash the like button i don't mean to take this from johnny but come on guys come on guys come on guys clip clip good hearing from uh, from johnny on saturday ain't i didn't we... know clip's name had two syllables in it clip <laughs> ain't we got some some school kids that know technology that can hit like for these people out here you know you know that it i mean they have it right there for you it's a little thumb all right we had a we had a nice run on likes there so good work people all right um let's see any pressing needs to get to when it comes to ecu athletics we hit on the uh the jj mclam recap we have mike houston comments we have a lot of conversation coming up with jeff charles with patrick mason with steven Igo throughout today's show uh how about this here's another one for you guys uh real talk this time um and you can go one of two ways you can give me concerns you have for saturday's game against old dominion you can have uh, i guess an optimistic approach what you're excited to see saturday against old dominion so there you go and and you can take both if you'd like Give me a concern. Give me a reason why you're very optimistic for Saturday. We'll uh, we'll have that discussion as well. Let's uh, let's go around the horn on that real quick. Chandler, what are you excited to see on Saturday? Uh, a much improved run game. I'm ex- excited to see Keaton Mitchell, Rajay Harris, getting back to that uh, pound and ground uh, football. Didn't get to see that much on NC State's uh, against NC State and their front. Very aggressive front they had. I thought we did. Well, obviously, we did terrible in the in the run game when it came to blocking but in pass protection it was complete opposite i thought we did a good job of protecting holton but keaton and and rajay rajay did punch it in there keaton had a couple of breakaway runs um his longest game was out of the backfield catching a pass out of the backfield very excited to see both of those guys um getting back into the groove of things when it comes to the run game all right uh old dominion allowed 147 rushing yards to virginia tech 3.8 a pop so not great not terrible there i guess um but east carolina can take advantage of that i'm excited to see if the defense can come out with a little bit of a less crowd 
a little less juice and energy probably than you have going into a season opener against nc state and can they put back-to-back solid performances together didn't really realize this when i was watching the game east carolina had i'd like to go back and look but i feel like they had a lot of games last year where they would shut out a team in the second half or play really you know really well in the second half did that on saturday maybe that's the mo of this team how about a good first half how about a good a uh, solid 30 minutes to start the game and then show that that awesome defense that we saw in the second half on saturday but i want to see some sacks i want to see him get to the quarterback uh, boy odu's quarterback threw the ball 35 times so that's a lot of dropbacks uh completed 14 of those passes against virginia tech they were not good offensively in their 20 to 17 win so we should be able to uh, go out there and have some success on the defensive side i want to see a dominant defense uh, from blake harrell back on the field on saturday cj what are you optimistic about what are you looking forward to seeing um i am looking forward to seeing some of these big lengthy pass catchers out there um isaiah winstead uh cj johnson ryan jones shane calhoun guys like that who uh, some of them started slow last week, aside from maybe C.J. Johnson with the early touchdown, uh, but got progressively. It seemed like as the game went along, they just got better and better, and I would love to see them carry that sort of momentum into this weekend against Old Dominion, maybe get a few more touchdowns in there, more receptions, whatever, but I'm excited to see those guys. All right. Uh, concerns? Before I even ask the question, Kyle had put up uh, some some stats to consider. Old Dominion led the nation in block kicks last year. They blocked four field goals and six punts. Mm. And uh, there is his concern. Well, they're watching the field from last week, and they are licking their chops. Salivating? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those, those are definite concerns there after what we saw last week. Uh, John asked, what's everybody's thoughts on the series with Old Dominion? I mean everybody better think they like it because they're on the schedule until like 2031 and i don't mean that facetiously i legit think they're on the schedule for that long until 30 2031 um not every year but a whole lot of games i like it i like the regional aspect of it i think they're a pretty good team uh i don't go to the games i'm here in studio but for fans i don't think it's a bad trip at all in fact is it well, it's not the shortest trip because you can go to the triangle but outside of the triangle it's got to be the shortest d1 trip you can mm-hmm. make right so uh from that standpoint i like it it's fine i don't want it to be the marquee game of course every year but if you can mix in a a tough opponent and an old dominion another regional opponent maybe an fcs something to, to pile up a win i i'm fine with it i like it i, I don't know at the time when it was scheduled like 10 times over 15 years i was like what are we doing but uh as of right now i like it it kind of depends on tell me the other three games we're playing non-conference and i'll tell you if i like the old dominion game if old dominion is the most attractive non-conference game then i don't like it but like this year it's not so i'm cool with it i'm right there with you i like it i like that it's really close i like their i like their move to the sun belt too um so uh, I, I do like the Pirates and, and ODU and, and that relationship we're going to have going into the future. Uh, I think back, when I think about ODU versus ECU, I think about Taylor Heineke coming in here in 2013 Heineke. 
and absolutely lighten it up. But uh, Pirates win by like I two or three, three, two or three touchdowns that day. But uh, I didn't realize that our our series with them is going to go until 2031. But it's like you said, Clip. If it's the most attractive uh, non-conference game that we have on the schedule, it's not attractive to me. Um, but in this case, it's not this year. Uh, but yeah, give me the Old Dominion. All right, let's take a gander. 2024 at ODU. 2027 at ODU. 2029, Old Dominion at home. 2030 at ODU. 2031, Old Dominion at home. So we got a lot of dates with the Monarchs coming up. Kyle said he would like to replace Charlotte with Old Dominion as far as uh, joining the AAC. So that's his thoughts on it. All right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll visit with the voice, Jeff Charles. He joins us on the other side on a Wednesday edition of Pirate Radio Live. Glad to have you here. Whole lot of pirate talk coming your way today. We're back after this. Listening to Hour One of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Country Mart. Country Mart is open every day and has two locations in Bethel on Highway 11 and in Stokes on Highway 903. Country Mart, fueling you up with great food and your engines with great gasoline. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Drive a little and save a lot at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram has a great selection of new and pre owned vehicles, plus offers service to all makes and models in a state of the art facility. Drive a little and save a lot with a short trip to Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram on Highway 264 in Washington and online at WashingtonChryslerDodgeJeepRam.com. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip. Back with you on Pirate Radio Live. Shirley Rhodes, A.C. Schaefer, the man of Chan. Clip Rock here with you on a Wednesday still to come. Mark Brown came to chat.com. We'll talk a little baseball and then get back to the football talk with Patrick Mason from the Daily Reflector. Steven Igloo from Hoist the Colors will join us and also got some Mike Houston comments to get to on today's program as well. Right now, we'll head out to the Pitt Electric Live Line and visit with the voice on this Wednesday. Jeff Charles joins us today on Pirate Radio Live. Jeff, how you doing today? Clip, I'm doing great. Hope you are. Yes, sir. Doing well and uh, ready for week two of the East Carolina football season. It'll be Pirates and Monarchs coming up 6 o'clock Dowdy Ficklin Stadium on Saturday. Our pregame coverage begins at 2 on the Bud Light pregame tailgate. We'll visit with the voice uh, Jeff Charles in that 2 o'clock hour. And Jeff, we, we talked to you last Saturday, something that, that really stuck with me throughout the show and, uh, and also throughout the game as I was watching it. You said East Carolina's coaches... Uh, we're concerned about two areas, and one of those was East Carolina and their O-line against NC State's D-line and trying to establish a run game, and, and they had calls for concern there. We saw NC State pretty much shut down uh, the East Carolina running attack on Saturday. The other one was East Carolina's DBs and their, their corners against NC State's wide receivers in that passing game. And I'm going to say, uh, Jeff, that they passed that test. East Carolina did a good job overall on defense, but I thought the corners uh, looked good as well. So as far as areas of concern for the coaches, uh, I think they were uh, they were kind of one out of two there uh, for what you talked about on Saturday. Yeah, I agree with you, Clip. And uh, a lot of times, and Coach Houston talked about this in his press conference yesterday, there were eight guys in the box against the Pirates. So 
they didn't want East Carolina to run the ball against them, and Holton just had to pass. He had to check down a lot in the game, and they had to go to the air probably more than they would like to. But as the coach said again yesterday, if you've got eight guys in the box, it's like running into a brick wall time after time, and it's not going to move. So they had to throw the ball a little bit. But uh, you're right, on the other end, too, I thought the corners played very well. I thought Malik Fleming played extremely well for the Pirates. I really liked uh, the way Malik carried himself out on the field. And the entire secondary played well. Tegan Wilk played very well back there. Uh, Demel Hickman is a veteran player now getting a chance to start, and he, he played well at the other corner. And then we saw what uh, Julius Wood can do. He's a big hitter back there, and Jawan Powell played well. So, you know, the secondary as a whole did a, a really nice job against Leary because Leary is the kind of guy that uh, can go over the top, and he can burn you with a lot of long passes and, and even long touchdown passes. So, Yes, they did a very nice job there, and I think there was a reason why the Pirates didn't run the ball better is because of the defense they were facing against NC State. So hopefully this week they can get the running game going with Keaton Mitchell and Rajay Harris because uh, you know it's going to be a big part of this football team this year. Jeff heard uh, you and Kevin on some of the broadcasts, Marty Fuhrer as well, and uh, just a, an amazing atmosphere, a really fun football game that did not end up going the Pirates' way at the end. But uh, so many great moments uh, in that game on Saturday. And, man, if they could have won, we, we'd be talking about that goal line stand forever. I, we're still going to be talking about it because it was incredible. But I don't know, Jeff, that one had to rank pretty high in, in plays you've seen at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, the Pirates standing tall there at the goal line against NC State. But it was amazing. They had, of course, as you know, Cliff, they had two goal line stands. NC State had a total of seven cracks to get into the end zone from the one-yard line and could not do it. I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that happen before. Certainly not in an East Carolina football game that I can recall. I don't think it's ever happened, at least since we've been around here. It was just amazing. And I talked with uh, Miles Berry on our post-game show after the game, and he talked about how hard they work on goal line defense in practice, and I think it was a lot of the fruits of their labor that came to the forefront, and they were able to, to do a great job in that situation. But you're right, uh, Cliff, there were some great uh, defensive plays, some big offensive plays. You know, the touchdown pass to C.J. Johnson was a terrific play, and also the touchdown pass to the tight end Shane Calhoun was a really nice design play as well. Uh, you got to get that running game going there. And that's what the Pirates are going to have to do. And, of course, as we all know, special teams, they can either make you uh, look good or they can make you look bad. And sometimes you, you can win a game with special teams, or as we saw this past Saturday, you can lose a game with special teams. So Mike Houston puts a big emphasis on special teams. He has since he has been here. And I know it really uh, was tough for him to see what happened in a kicking game, especially this past weekend. Jeff Charles joining us, Jeff. Uh, Isaiah Winstead dropped a couple, and credit to the NC State defense. They were getting to the receiver just as soon as the ball hit contact with their hands. We saw Jalen Johnson and Isaiah Winstead have troubles early in the game uh, catching a pass. But, man, uh, Winstead and Johnson both really came on uh, in the second half. And, and Winstead, he looks like a player. I think he's going to have a tremendous year this year. Any other uh, new faces stand out to you on Saturday, Jeff, that did you enjoyed watching play? Well, you mentioned the uh, receivers clip, and this is a, a guy that uh, the Pirate coaches have been talking with me about for a couple of years, Kerry King. Uh -huh. And uh, Kerry got a catch in the game. He's, he's, still, he's still young. 
but he's got blazing speed, number 17. He's 5'10", 168 pounds from Richmond, Virginia, Highland Springs uh, High School. And uh, I think it's only a matter of time before we see him as a bigger part of the offense, and they're going to do what they can to get the ball in his hands because he's got that breakaway speed. So, yeah, I was just glad to see him get his feet wet and uh, and get a catch. On uh, the other side of the ball, uh, Clip, Chance Bates looked really good. Uh, Chance is a graduate transfer coming to ECU from Kennesaw State in Georgia. He played for Blake Harrell there, number 40, had a chance to visit with uh, Chance yesterday, and uh, he, he looks the part. He's he's a big, strong kid, and he can move. 6'1", 241 pounds, and he did a really nice job uh, playing at, at the linebacker spot. And then, of course, Gerard Stringer played great. It just seemed like the whole day on our radio broadcast, I kept calling out Gerard Stringer making tackles, and he did have 10 tackles in the game. And uh, he's come a long way. And Gerard is, you know, 6'2", 210 now. He can really run, and he can really hit. And I thought he played uh, really well for the Pirates at that linebacker spot. Jeff Charles joining us. We'll visit with The Voice uh, Saturday, 2 o'clock, on the Bud Light pregame tailgate. And uh, Jeff, later that afternoon, uh, evening, will be on the call as East Carolina takes on Old Dominion. And we talked about it a little bit with you this past Saturday, Jeff. ODU knocking off Virginia Tech. And partying on the midfield logo and uh, i'm hoping they continued that party all throughout this week and uh and have a letdown coming up but that was a that was a hard fall win for them not a lot of beauty on the offensive side but they played some stout defense against the virginia tech Hokies. they themselves scored a special teams touchdown uh last friday against virginia tech and they come in here with a lot of confidence uh after uh beating uh their their in-state rivals voice yeah, no doubt about that. If you would ask the average college football fan in the state of Virginia, can ODU beat Virginia Tech? They would almost to a man say no, because that's a huge win for them. And uh, they've done it twice now. They've done it twice in Norfolk. They beat Virginia Tech a few years ago over there. So good for them. Their program is coming back. Uh, Ricky Ronnie's doing a nice job there. Last year, of course, uh, they finished really strong. They lost their bowl game to Tulsa, but... They had put together five consecutive wins, and then this victory against Virginia Tech, so regular season-wise, they'll have six consecutive wins coming into the game in Greenville. You looked at their stats from last week, and they don't look all that impressive offensively, Clip. They only had a total of 245 yards in the game, 80 on the ground, and 165 through the air. But where they won the game was on mistakes that were made by Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech threw four picks. And that was Grant Wells, who threw all four of them, the former Marshall quarterback, who the Pirates played against last year in Huntington. He transferred to Virginia Tech. He got the starting assignment, and he threw four picks in his first game as a Hokie. And then they also had 14 penalties. And I watched that second half clip, and I really thought Old Dominion got the ball with, what, just a little over two minutes to go in the game. And uh, they needed to drive the field and put it in the end zone to, to win the football game. And I just thought Virginia Tech's defense would rise to the occasion and wouldn't give up a touchdown late like that, but that's not what happened. So you got to give Old Dominion an awful lot of credit for that. And here's a real interesting note, Clip, uh, in this game with uh, ODU coming up. Their quarterback is Hayden Wolf. By the way, he's a big, strong kid. He's 6'5", 235 pounds. He is from Venice, Florida, and longtime ECU Pirate football fans remember Larry Shannon and what a great – Receiver Larry was at ECU, played briefly in 
the NFL. Well, Larry's the defensive coordinator at Venice in Venice, Florida. And another former Pirate has been the head coach of that high school program, and that is John Peacock. So Larry Shannon in particular is very familiar with Hayden Wolf, the quarterback that uh, Pirates will face on Saturday. All right. Uh, I like those stories, those connections, Jeff, and uh, looking forward to East Carolina Old Dominion Pirates looking for their first win of the year, and hopefully it'll be in front of another good home crowd. And uh, how about that crowd on Saturday, Jeff? Has to make it – yeah, I mean, you, you call a lot of games. If it's a good, entertaining game, that's that's uh, icing on the cake for you. And it's got to be neat to, to call a game in that kind of environment, Jeff. Yeah, it really does, Cliff. I mean, it was wonderful. And just hats off to the Pirate fans. They were just great. Uh, and we appreciate each and every one of them so much. They've been through thick and thin with this program, and for them to come out and support this football team like they did, it's just a, a tremendous testament to the following that East Carolina has and the passion that the Pirate fans have, and we just can't thank them, thank them enough for coming out and sticking with this program down through the years. They're some of the best fans in the country, and 51,711 kind of speaks for itself, Clip. It was it was just a terrific, terrific turnout. Now, I say this each and every year, can the fan base keep that momentum going through the season? I think they're expecting another good crowd, not that uh, big of a crowd as far as the numbers are concerned with the sellout, but I think it's going to be a good crowd on Saturday, and hopefully it's going to be a little bit cooler with the start at 6 o'clock. So I'm really hoping that Pirates can hopefully get to close to 40,000 for the game on, on Saturday. And then, of course, you've got Campbell after that and then Navy after that. So four home games, as we've talked about, four Saturdays in September kind of tests your your uh, fanaticism, if you will, and your fan base. So we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how that all works out. But first things first, Old Dominion and ODU will bring some fans. It's only about two hours, two hours and 15 minutes from – from Norfolk down to Greenville, I'm sure they'll bring some fans and probably sold some tickets with that upset they had over Virginia Tech. Now, they're not going to have the numbers here that NC State had. I mean, there was a lot of red in the stadium, the most I think I've ever seen uh, as far as uh, Wolfpack fans in Greenville this this past week. But ODU will bring a representative uh, contingent. Jeff Charles joining us. Jeff, East Carolina, NC State combined for – 41 points in the game on Saturday. Appalachian State scored 40 points of their own in the fourth quarter alone and their game against North Carolina. Just an absolute wild one there in Boone that ends with App State failing to convert on a couple of two-point conversions at the end of the game. Uh, North Carolina escapes, but they've got a lot of issues on the defensive side and uh, they'll try to stop Georgia State uh, this weekend. And How about App State with their non-conference schedule? Up next for them, Texas A&M voice, but I know uh, you were probably uh, getting off the air heading out of Dowdy Ficklin as that one was wrapping up we were watching it here in the studio on the fifth quarter but that was a wild one uh, later that night Notre Dame hung around with Ohio State I don't know how many times Ohio State's offense is going to look like they did on Saturday but I uh, was able to catch a lot of fun football the games the other night uh, Florida State and LSU and that wild finish so uh, great week one of football Jeff were you able to uh, enjoy any of it yeah, when I got home, Clip, I did uh, tune in and watch the Ohio State-Notre Dame. I watched quite a bit of that. You know, Ohio State's offense is just incredibly dynamic, but Notre Dame did a really good job of uh, shutting them down for big portions of that game, but they still had enough to win the game. Ohio State's big question going into this year is defensively, 
because offensively they should be able to go out and score a boatload of points every time they play with C.J. Stroud and company and all those great weapons he has around them. So, yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise. I thought they would beat uh, Notre Dame a little bit more than that, but Notre Dame played well and got to give them credit. And, Cliff, you're right about that Appalachian-North Carolina game. Uh, I mean, when have you ever seen a team score 40 points in the fourth quarter and still lose the football game? I don't know. That can't not have happened very often, but it certainly happened uh, happened at Boone. So, yeah, a lot of good football games, a lot more coming up. And, of course, uh, as a college football fan, usually it starts on Thursday night and sometimes there are Friday games and then, of course, on, on Saturday. So college football has kind of become three days a week now. It has, and now you throw in the NFL. We've got Rams and Bills coming up Thursday night here on Pirate Radio. Great game to uh, kick off the NFL season. Jeff, I saw where NFL Network, I saw a graphic, and they had six of their experts, analysts, whatever you want to call them, all had the Bills winning the Super Bowl, and uh, those six experts had five different uh, NFC teams playing the Bills in the Super Bowl, but uh, usually when it goes this way, it means it's not going to happen. But uh, are the Bills that much of an overwhelming favorite? If I ask you, Jeff, who's going to win the Super Bowl, be in the Super Bowl, are the, the Bills the first team that comes to mind for you this year? <laughs> I would say they're the first team that comes to mind, but obviously they're getting a lot of great preseason pub clips, so they must be must be pretty good. And, of course, the Panthers uh, open up against the Cleveland Browns yeah. on Sunday as well. That's a 1 o'clock game in Charlotte, so – That'll be interesting to see, you know, what the Panthers can do. I mean, this is a big year for Matt Rule and coming back from a bad year last year, and we'll see what the Panthers have. So, yeah, ready for NFL football, and it'll be interesting to see these teams kick off this weekend. Looking forward to it. Got a triple header coming up Sunday right here on Pirate Radio. Voice, appreciate the chat. We'll uh, look forward to talking to you coming up Saturday, 2 o'clock on the Bud Light pregame tailgate. And uh, we'll break down more ECU, Old Dominion, get into uh, some of the personnel, matchups, things like that. But thanks for joining us on the program today. All right, Quip, I'll be there. Thank you so much. Always enjoy the visit. Yes, sir. And uh, we'll see you Saturday. Jeff Charles joining us on the Pit Electric Live Line. Some breaking news uh, as we were talking to Jeff there. It came out that Alec Burleson is getting the call. He's headed to the show. Uh, Alex Burleson will be a St. Louis Cardinal. So he is being moved up, promoted to the big league team. That is fantastic for Alec Burleson. Not so great for us Cardinals haters out there. But, man, uh, cool for Burley. We'll be able to uh, see another pirate in the big leagues. First pirate hitter in the big leagues. Since? I don't know. Off the top of my head, I'm not coming up with anything. Oh, gosh. I mean, there have been plenty of pitchers. Right, um, right. We've got right. two in the big leagues right now. Uh, right. As far as hitters go. Chad Tracy? Possibly, yeah. I think, that, well, Chad Tracy, maybe um, Zach Houchins, maybe. Hmm. Uh, that he's, he's because he had a cup of coffee with, um, oh, the Astros. I guess it would be Chad. No, I'm sorry, Diamondbacks. I think, uh, yeah, maybe. I, I'll put it out there so you can uh, get the answer for me. All right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll talk some baseball. Mark Brown, CamdenChat.com joins us. Also, Chandler and CJ, we have to do our picks. Top 10 team that's going to lose this week. 
Okay. Top 25 team is going to lose this week. We got to do that before CJ gets out of here. Jonathan Texas said Pat Watkins played for the Reds. Well, I, okay, but like that was a long time ago, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah. I'm just first since just putting it out there. Since whom? I'm saying Chad Trice. That was my first guess. I think Zach Houchins was a little more recent. I don't remember him being in the big leagues. We'll look it up. You would know better than me because you update this stuff all the time. Hold we'll, on. Uh, I'll pull up my list because I... Uh, all right. Well, let's take a break. Okay. And we'll come back and we'll uh, figure it out when we return okay. after these words. Listening to Hour One of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Country Mart. Country Mart is open every day and has two locations in Bethel on Highway 11 and in Stokes on Highway 903. Country Mart, fueling you up with great food and your engines with great gasoline. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. The best place in Greenville to unwind after work and have fun is AJ McMurphy's. AJ says daily food and drink specials and an awesome patio, perfect for some outdoor dining. There's something for everyone every weeknight, including sports trivia with our very own Clip Braun. AJ says live music every Friday and Saturday with no cover and brunch every Sunday. Make today an AJ's day. Wow. And uh, now let's head back into the show. I regret turning his mic on. Here's Clip. All right, CJ, here's a question for you to warm you up for sports trivia. There are three, and it kind of depends on you knowing the week one NFL schedule, three revenge games, starting quarterbacks playing against their former team. My God, dude, are you serious? (laughs) I don't know how that happened. I do. You turned the volume on your computer on during the show. Not on purpose. It's pretty damn simple. It's not, not on purpose. It's a simple solution, a simple problem. But I don't know how in the world that could happen. I do. It was on accident. Your volume's on. So, does the the volume apparently comes on if you hit the control button by accident? Let's try it again. It didn't do it exactly. Chandler, user error. Well, he just wants it on. Chandler, you can give your opinion on anything you want. Uh, CJ, name the three quarterbacks facing their former teams week one. I know two. I know, uh, obviously, Baker playing the Browns. Um, I know Joe Flacco is playing the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Mm. I didn't know if you'd know That's that That's the one that I thought you were going to miss. Oh, really? So hey, there's another uh, one that should be a little more obvious. Hey, hey uh, Shirley and Chandler, let's ride. Oh, right, Russell Wilson. <laughs> Wow. That's the one I missed. Russell against the Broncos right here, or against the uh, Seahawks right here on Pirate Radio Monday night. All right, let's uh, let's take – oh, by the way, so Shirley kept saying Zach Alchins, which I was like, I don't I don't think so. But she was just saying the wrong name. I, she I had, had the, the cor- guy in mind. It was the right guy, just had the wrong and name. And you were talking about him playing for the Diamondbacks. And you were talking about Jack Reinheimer. Yeah, he was the one that was that was in my head. I just kept saying the wrong name. And uh, yeah, I go. Thanks for pointing that out. I looked up Jack Reinheimer. It looks like he played for both the Diamondbacks and the Mets, but uh, he is the last hitter, position player in the bigs uh, that you know played in the game. 
and now alec burleson will hopefully be the next hopefully they won't call him up and just sit him there hopefully he'll uh, get some ab's and uh get in the game so there you go all right let's uh head out to the pit electric live line so i recorded this interview yesterday afternoon to run on yesterday's show we went along with jj mcclam so i couldn't fit it in i still wanted to get it in because it's a, a pretty good chat on this year's orioles and, and how they're doing right now but this is coming off their double header loss on monday and before the game last night so mark brown uh, a little depressed as we had this conversation yesterday afternoon but uh let's hear that conversation on the pit electric live line mark brown from camdenchat.com well, Cliff, you know, I wish I had sunnier news to report, but as everybody knows, the Euros got swept in their uh, doubleheader against the Blue Jays yesterday, and it was uh, really a pivotal pivotal couple of games, and it's, uh, it's, it's bruising that the Orioles lost both. Yeah, I was going to say, Mark, we're in our busy season here at Pirate Radio. We're back to uh, Thursday night NFL this week on Pirate Radio, Friday night D.H. Conley High School football live on the air, Saturday all-day ECU coverage, Sunday NFL triple header. And we could still throw into that some Orioles playoff baseball. But uh, like you said, took a hit on Monday. Really, and I guess, Mark, what could you say? The biggest uh, baseball day for the Orioles in years. And unfortunately, they come away with two losses. Had a chance to get it to a, a half-game deficit in the wild card hunt. Instead, it flips to a four-and-a-half-game deficit now uh, behind the Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean, the before yesterday, they had 10 games remaining against the Blue Jays this season. And I, before that, I was figuring, okay, they got to go maybe six and four against the Blue Jays, uh, to maybe have a chance in those 10 games. Well, now they lost the first two of the 10. So now it's like, okay, they got to go six and two. Um, you know, if you look at some of the systems that try and project what are the records going to be, it's looking like it's now going to take like 89 wins to make it into the final wild card spot which for the Orioles would take uh, an 18-9 and record in their final 27. So, you know, you need to combine those with uh, probably going 6-2 and two or even 7-1 and one against the Blue Jays, um, which, I mean, you know, if they don't go 6-2 and two against the Blue Jays, it's going to be tough to go 18-9 and nine anyway. Um, so, you know, that's pretty much what they're looking at. It's not impossible, but the math is just get, it's getting really tough after the, the doubleheader sweep yesterday. Mark Brown came to Chad.com joining us. Awesome highlights from over the weekend, Mark. And, uh, man, looked like some good crowds there in Camden Yards. I know the folks were fired up yesterday. So hopefully tonight the O's can uh, give the home crowd something to cheer about. But uh, how into this have people been, this run by Baltimore, this uh, out-of-nowhere year that they've had this year? I mean, people are pretty into it. Um, you know, you can tell in the volume of people showing up on camdenchat.com who I've never seen before that are just like drawn in to comment because, you know, the Orioles are unexpectedly good this year. Just people are wearing, you know, their Orioles orange around town. You get, you know, uh, just walk around and people see you in an Orioles shirt and they're just like, oh yeah, man, go O's. And it's just, you know, it, it, it hasn't been happening since. I mean, honestly, probably like eight years go back to like 2014 when they won the AL East. Um, was probably the last time you had this kind of excitement. Um, really, even in 2016, when they kind of ended up in the wild card spot. Uh, I mean, um, people people didn't really just have the same excitement because it wasn't uh, at that point. It wasn't as much of a surprise. Whereas this, you know, um, the Orioles pretty much everybody expected to lose 100 games again or more uh, for like the fourth straight 
162-game season. And not only have they guaranteed that uh, they're not going to lose 100 games, they've also become the uh, the most winning team coming out of three straight 100-loss seasons that has ever existed. Uh, just by winning 71 games, they've already set that record. And again, there's 27 to play, so they're just going to keep adding to that record uh, even if they don't end up making the wild card. So, you know, it, it was really uh, an unexpected and nearly unprecedented uh, improvement they've they've pulled off. And people have noticed, and uh, it, it's been fun having crowds at the stadium. Not, not every game is selling out, but it's a lot better than it would have been, um, you know, if, if the Orioles were once again limping to 100 losses. Yeah, uh, you got to build it back. Build it, and uh, and they will come, and those fans are showing up and keep winning, and even more will show up. Mark Brown came to Chad.com joining us. Mark, I asked you at the beginning of the season, you know, Brandon Hyde is kind of set up to fail here managing this team that just doesn't have a lot of pieces. Well, <laughs> you know, the team made me and a lot of folks look foolish with the way they played this year. So how much credit, I mean, what kind of hand has he had in this remarkable season for Baltimore? And What's his future look like there? I mean, they got to be wanting to keep this guy around forever with the way they've played this year, I imagine. Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting question, and I don't know the answer as to what is his future because, uh, I mean, um, it, you know, before this year, everybody kind of was making noise like, okay, uh, Hyde's going to be on the way out, and they're going to promote um, AAA manager Buck Britton, who's the brother of former Oriole Zach Britton. Hmm. Uh, who's who's been kind of rising up the minor league ranks. Um, you know, he started out, he was like the low-A uh, manager, and now he's worked his way up to the triple-A level. So people kind of were thinking, okay, you know, they're just kind of um, uh, lining him up to maybe take over. But, you know, I mean, I don't see how you can not give Hyde credit for, I don't want to say 100%, but he's, I think he deserves credit for having uh, a roster that was, largely holdovers from last year's very bad team to be able to get to the point where they are now. I mean, I, I don't know what kind of um, magic he might have worked, but just, you know, uh, even if that was just um, something like recognize when he needs to just like stand back and let the players lead themselves, which I, I don't think every major league manager is necessarily capable of making that determination. Um so, you know, uh, and of course, a lot of people are talking like, okay, he should be like the automatic AL manager of the year winner just because the Orioles have yeah. exceeded expectations by so much. Yeah. It's like, you know, what what do you do? I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, as you and I have talked before, it wouldn't be the first time the Orioles immediately parted from a manager after he won the manager of the year. But I think probably he's going to get at least one more year with maybe a roster that goes into the season where um, where they're kind of expecting to do well and then see how he handles that. And then, you know, maybe they'll uh, decide if he's the guy for the future, if they kind of look around for, um, you know, the next new hotness manager. I mean, uh, you know, what do you got? The Cardinals manager, Ollie Marmel, is like younger than some of his players. He's not even 40 yet. So, you know, are the Orioles going to want to look like, okay, let's get a guy who's not even into his 40s yet or – you know, they just want to keep going with Hyde. I, I, I don't know. It might depend on how they finish down the stretch. Uh, it might depend on how they do next year, uh, if they make some big off-season additions. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm glad for him. Um, he's made a lot of glum faces on the way to Orioles, you know, losing so many games in 2019 and 2021. 
uh, it's been nice to see him smile sometimes. Yeah, that's good stuff. Talking to Mark Brown, CamdenChat.com. Another thing the O's have had this year is young players come in and kind of make a name for themselves right away, the latest being Gunnar Henderson. So how about the O's shortstop, uh, Mark? uh, How have you enjoyed watching him play so far? Gunnar Henderson, over the weekend, when they put him at shortstop, he made just probably two of the um, most amazing plays I, I can really even think of. There, there was just one where um, he was in the shortstop hole. He, he fielded a double header, a double, uh, excuse me, he fielded a chopper on the run and uh, took him, took his momentum to second base on his own. And while he was kind of going parallel to first base, he just threw a strike to, to finish the double play, just six, three on its own. And I was just like, it's just amazing. Like, okay, he's 21. That was, I might even have been his first ever big league game at shortstop. And it was just like, okay, uh, this guy's as good as advertised. Now, unfortunately for Orioles fans, uh, then Henderson was playing second base on the first game of the double header yesterday. And, uh, of course that was a game, uh, excuse me, that was only his uh, 11th professional game at the position of second base. Uh, it was not as automatic for him on the right side of the infield as kind of some of these shortstop and third base plays have been. Uh, there were a couple of plays Henderson at second base kind of blew what should have been a double play. Each of those ended up leading to uh, the Blue Jays scoring a run. And, um, you know, if that game was, was had the, those two runs stayed off the board, uh, that game would have unfolded differently. The Orioles would have probably used their better relievers instead of going for some of the guys that usually get deployed when they're behind. Um, so, you know, uh, we've seen some of why he's very good. We've probably also seen, okay, leave him at shortstop or third base. Uh, I'm excited to see him for the last month, though. I, I honestly didn't expect them to call him up as soon as they did, even with his amazing AAA performance. So, you know, hopefully uh, Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman are a nice rookie duo to watch, if nothing else, for the last month here. Mark Brown, CamdenChad.com. Mark, as just a sports fan, a fan of teams, heck, it happened Saturday in a football game. Uh, East Carolina was playing the 13th team uh, ranked in the country, NC State, and the Pirates are double-digit underdogs. They go into the game. They score first, give you some hope, then get down 21-7, to and then they're driving with the chance to win it with a field goal, and you miss the field goal. And you got so many emotions. You've got, all right, we're, we're a little bit better, but we're not going to win this game to, oh, my God, we should win this game. So sports can really play with your emotions. You had no inkling that this team would even be in the hunt this year, Mark, and then you get so close to it, and they give you that hope, that false hope, and now, now you're kind of torn down again. So, uh, so how are you handling this roller coaster of a season? Can you kind of sit back and say they're playing way ahead of their skis right now, and and take it for that, or are you legitimately, you know, disappointed? Like, man, we had a chance yesterday and we blew it. How, how are you and uh, the O's fans handling this? You know, for me, it's probably both at different times. Uh, you know, when I can step back, it's absolutely, you're correct that, okay, you know, they were expected to lose like 105 games or whatever. And now they've already, uh, got, you know, 71 wins. So the most they can lose at this point is 91. And that would be if they went, oh, the rest of the way. So yeah, that's a huge improvement over last year's 52 win, uh, team. But, you know, as you said, once you get that close, you you start to taste it, and you just start talking yourself into, okay, maybe this can happen, maybe this can happen, and then uh, when when kind of those moments come along and the rug gets yanked out from under you, once you got your hopes up, 
that's a little tough in the uh, immediate aftermath of that. So, you know, I, I get some of both at both times. Um, uh, I, I guess I would say probably I'm more hopeful overall than, than disappointed because it, it just always seemed to me that the starting rotation, there was no way they were going to be able to hold it together. Um that's actually not how they've turned it out. Turned out to kind of be stumbling a bit. They're they're losing a bit more um, from not scoring enough runs. Uh, we've got guys like Ryan Mountcastle, Austin Hayes, Ruben Edojor are all doing pretty rough since the All Star break, and it's just it's hard to sustain success uh, when that much of your regular lineup is just in such a deep and long term funk. Uh, I mean, really, when when you put it that way, it's kind of amazing that the Orioles managed to go 17 and 10 in August, even though their so many of their players ha- have been slumping since the All Star break. So it's uh, it's it's encouraging and it's disappointing. Uh, I guess how much it'll be hopeful in the long run will be see over the off season. You know, what do they try and improve on, or where do they just say, okay, we're going to do that again and see how it works. Mark Brown came to chat.com joining us looking around the divisions. The Yankees have seen their lead slip in the AL East. Tampa Bay five games back. The Blue Jays uh, just five and a half back. Heck, the Orioles would have won yesterday. We could have said they were creeping up on the Yankees. Uh, in the Central, it is just ugliness. Uh, the uh, Our buddy Patrick Mason, Daily Reflector writer here, uh, uh, rode off the White Sox a couple weeks ago. Now they're only two back because the Guardians are slipping uh, the Twins just won back there in the Central. The Astros running away with the West, but the Mariners uh, have been playing very well, going to be a playoff team. In the National League, you've got the uh, Cardinals going to win the Central. The Dodgers are going to win the West by 20 games. And how about my Braves, Mark? I've always, I've been waiting all year for the Mets to blow it, and they haven't. It's just the Braves have played phenomenal, and they're just one game back. The Mets are 85 and 50. The Braves 84 and 51. And that one uh, going to go down to the wire. The loser of that division will be uh, the uh, oh, top wild card, it looks like, in the National League. So I don't know. Anything standing out there as you look at these uh, playoff races going on? Well, you know what's annoying as an Orioles fan is they have a better record than the AL Central leader Cleveland Guardians right now. So, uh, you know, the divisions <laughs> are uh, kind of unfortunate. Uh, Those would be cruising in the Central right now. Yeah. That's... Know, like, especially if they were playing a Central heavy schedule. Right. Um, so, you know, that, that, but I mean, that's the way it's been ever since they split the divisions, you know, in the East, Central, and West. And uh, uh, I guess we'll see next year is. Uh, no longer doing as much unbalanced schedule and every team plays every team. We'll see if that changes. Um, but, you know, it's nice that at least one or two races are going to go down to the wire. Uh, you know, your Braves are certainly coming up on the Mets. Um, of course, I, I, I'm on the Mets side. I'd like to see Buck Showalter win win something. But, um, you know, uh, I, I think I saw last night the Mets are something like 33-20 and 20 over the last 53 games and the Braves have still just gone even better and and come up on them. It's just, that's a remarkable stretch of, uh, of baseball there. Um, you know, the Yankees collapse, if they do it would also be fun for me. Um, it, 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 even that has kind of stung for the Orioles because the Orioles were kind of counting on, okay, the Rays and the Jays still have a lot of games against the Yankees. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and that was kind of going to be part of the Orioles pass. And, uh, the Yankees have freaking rolled over against the teams, and the, you know the the Orioles were not able to gain any ground while those teams are playing the Yankees. So uh, I'm going to be cursing the Yankees 
as long as I'm breathing uh, on Earth, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> they just find new ways to uh, to get under my skin, even you know, even when they were on pace for uh, whatever, like 110 wins or something ridiculous uh, earlier in the season. They're still they're still managing to hurt the Orioles uh, wow. in the season here. So you know, uh, 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 there's my division thought for you. I I, I'm, I, I dislike the Yankees. That comes back to the Yankees. Uh, Mark Brown came to chat.com joining us. I see. Uh, I took a look. Uh, O's will be at home uh, taking on the Red Sox this weekend. Ravens on the road uh, in New York. I haven't looked. Uh, at, at if any of the days match up, Mark, where you've got a baseball and, and football one o'clock start going at the same time, but uh, I don't know about pretty wild days in Baltimore when those happen. I imagine. Yeah, I, there's actually going to be three that are uh, the games are the same time. Um, it's not this Sunday, but I think the next three after that, they're all Orioles day game and Ravens playing at one, something like that. Um, they don't, they can't play um, home at the same time. Uh, the stadiums they're they're pretty much only separated by parking lots oh gotcha um so uh, the the only thing is uh for for fans that are listening on the radio up here in baltimore um the same set of radio stations is like the flagship of the oh, yeah. and the orioles and the ravens had the deal first so uh the ravens get all the stations even though the orioles are on there too um and you know it's it's like three stations. I don't know why they can't split one off, but apparently that was what was in the contract. The Ravens get them all. So uh, Orioles fans in Baltimore that want to listen on the radio are going to have to listen online for the next, um, not this coming Sunday, but the three after that. So that that's kind of the one. But um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of split screens, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, the Orioles are able to get back in the win column a bit and uh, keep it interesting, rather than everyone now peeling off to the Ravens. But um, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Mark, I wanted to check in with you. Uh, maybe we'll do one more here in September. If not, we'll uh, we'll talk some postseason baseball in October. Appreciate you joining us once again here on Pirate Radio Live. Folks can go to camdenchat.com. Big one tonight. I don't know if I've seen this all year, Mark. Um, what I'm looking at, it is a pick em tonight. Uh, I don't think I've seen a pick em in a baseball game all year, but that's the case for the uh, Blue Jays and O's tonight. Interesting. Uh, no, I, you know, I don't know that I've seen that either. Uh the, the Orioles have Kyle Bradish pitching. He has been doing very well of late, and uh, I, I hope he can keep doing that and uh, they can reverse this slide. Um, you know, that right now the Orioles have lost three in a row for the first time since early July. So, um, one, it's good that they went two months without losing three in a row. Two, picked a bad time to finally get back to losing three in a row. <laughs> they can stop it there. Mark, appreciate it, man. We'll uh, talk to you again down the road. All right, sounds good. See you next time. Mark Brown, CamdenChat.com, joining us on the Pit Electric Live Line. Orioles' big win last night, especially coming off that uh, tough doubleheader loss. Lost two on Monday, but got one back yesterday. Also, we had some uh, benches clear in Baltimore last night. So, uh, two good teams going at it. They've played a lot. They don't like each other, and they'll play again tonight, 705 right here on Pirate Radio, O's and Blue Jays. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back when we return. David Hall from the Virginian Pilot joins us to talk ODU football. We'll talk about their victory over Virginia Tech. Are they still partying? Are they over that win? Have they moved on? And also some players to watch for Saturday when East Carolina takes on Old Dominion. That's on the way when we return on Pirate Radio Live after this. 
You're listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour brought to you by Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Drive a little and save a lot with a short trip to Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram on Highway 264 in Washington at WashingtonChryslerDodgeJeepRam.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Town Insurance is your premier independent insurance agency. From maximizing opportunities to minimizing risk, Town's insurance advisors offer expert professional advice to clients of all sizes. For personal or business insurance questions, call 756-8300 today. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip. All right, coming up this Saturday, it'll be East Carolina and Old Dominion pregame coverage beginning at 2 o'clock. Right here from these Pirate Radio Studios on the Bud Light pregame tailgate. We're with you after the game on the U.S. Sailor fifth quarter call-in show. 1-0 Old Dominion at 0-1 East Carolina. And we'll learn more about those Monarchs now as we head out to the Pit Electric Lifeline and talk to David Hall. Uh, he used to work around these parts now with the Virginian pilot. He joins us once again on Pirate Radio Live. David, how you doing today? Doing great. Always great to be here. Yes, sir. And, uh, David, we used to see you at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium and Granger Stadium quite a bit. Clark LeClaire, Minji's. And uh, how long have you been up in uh, Virginia now? Believe it or not, nine years. Wow. So it's hard for me to believe. It's flown by, but uh, that's almost as long as I was in ENC. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a nice... A nice bookend, if you will. Yes, sir. And uh, last Friday, David, you were uh, right there witnessing a party uh, up in Norfolk as Old Dominion knocked off Virginia Tech. My hope was, David, that party would last until, say, Saturday, Sunday, maybe into today. Uh, you know, that's Ricky Ronnie's uh, toughest task, maybe, right, is uh, is getting these guys back down to earth, preparing for week two. But, man, what a, what a celebration they had on Friday night. I think the party ended Sunday. Like by Monday afternoon at the weekly press conference, they were they were pretty focused on ECU. So uh, I think I think the, I don't think there'll be any hangover from that party. How about the performance the other night? Great defense. They got a little luck, but uh, scoring a touchdown on special teams, David, maybe not the most pleasing uh, game offensively to the eye, but uh, they got it done. Tough win over Virginia Tech. How would you describe that one last Friday? I would describe it as really hideous until about seven minutes left in the game. I think that's interesting. Um, yeah, the ODU got an interception uh, with just under three minutes left, trailing 17-13, and went uh, 74 yards in nine plays in about two and a half minutes. Sco- scored a touchdown at the goal line. It was reviewed and overturned. Still, So they're still at the one-yard line. The same kid, Blake Watson, Went up the middle again, bounced off a guy, went into the end zone, got him the lead. And then uh, I think Tech had 30 seconds left and threw a Hail Mary, and it was picked off, and that was that. It was the fourth interception of the game. Um, and ODU tied a school record, actually, with five forced turnovers. So uh, it was a big night for the defense. The defense stood tall for sure. Just 245 total yards for Old Dominion. They allowed 340 to Virginia Tech, but had five, forced those five turnovers and uh, found the end zone on a uh, botched snap from the Hokies. So offensively, David, boy, not a lot stands out, but uh, who, if anybody, stood out on Friday night uh, that did play well on that side of the ball? Uh, they, they have a receiver named Ali Jennings who transferred from West Virginia, and he uh, he looks like he transferred from West Virginia. <laughs> he caught five passes for 125 yards, something like that. 
um, including uh, a 38-yard bomb to set up the game-winning touchdown. Uh, he's not a big guy. He's, he's quick, but he just has a way to get the ball. I, don't, I can't even explain it. He Even against taller defenders, he, he figures out how to get himself in position and catch the ball. They've got a, a cornerback who does the same thing. This guy is uh, Tobias Harris. He's transferred from West Texas A&M, Division II. You'd think, no big deal. However, he leads the nation. It all Every division, FCS, FBS, 1, 2, 3, all of them, uh, with 18 career interceptions. Huh. One, he, had a big, he had a big one Friday night. Um, and uh, I was talking to him Monday about how he sniffs out the ball. And he's like, well, <laughs> he described it as – he used to be an outfielder in baseball. Okay, he's just he's he's lived his whole life tracking the flight of balls. <laughs> that's how he that's how he's kind of figured things out. Yeah, uh, that works. Uh, talking to David Hall, Virginian pilot, today on Pirate Radio Live as we get you set for East Carolina Old Dominion pregame coverage beginning two o'clock right here Saturday on the Bud Light pregame tailgate. David, uh, how about the quarterback Hayden Wolf? Fourteen of thirty five, one hundred sixty five yards. Most of those yards. Uh, coming to Jennings, like you mentioned earlier. Um, so not the best statistical day for him. How about him as a quarterback, though? Do you see brighter days ahead uh, for the signal caller there? I see brighter days ahead and brighter days behind. He uh, he won the starting job midway through last year when they were 1-6. Actually, they were 1-5. Then he lost one game. They became 1-6. Then they won five. Under, under him, they won five straight games to become bowl eligible. Lost in the bowl in Myrtle Beach to Tulsa, but Ever since they were one and six, they have been six and one, which is pretty freaking remarkable if you think about it. Yeah, I remember David I, talking to Harry Minium this off season, and I wonder, like, it's a separate season; it's a lot of time has passed. But can that carry over? Like, do you think that momentum carried over to the off season and maybe even into to Friday night? Uh, as Ricky Riney, the head coach, says, "quote I don't believe in momentum." <laughs> <laughs> he, he thinks not only from season to season but from game to game like each thing is its own individual entity yeah. and he borrows quite freely from the great skip holt the former east carolina coach who used to always say one and oh humble and hungry yeah for that oh yeah humble and hungry i remember that one ricky he doesn't use the humble and hungry but he he pounds it into them one and oh yeah no one and oh and he means it not only from this for this week's game but for today's weightlifting session, today's practice, today's film, today's class, today's study hall. He wants them to go take one thing at a time. And I think I asked him Monday how they managed this turnaround. Like, was there a, a, a magic moment where something happened, a great speech or, or you know, a, a heated practice? He said, no, it was just guys kept believing in that 1-0. and And if we lost one week, we didn't let it affect what happened the next week. Talking to David Hall today on the Pit Electric Live line. David, how about Ronnie coming over from Penn State and, and you know, ODU football and, and football fans knew one thing, and that's Bobby Wilder. So what was the, the transition like initially? And i got to imagine now everybody has bought into Ricky Ronnie. So how has that whole process gone? It was very strange because uh, ODU went 1-11 in 2019, and they fired Bobby and hired Ricky. And Ricky arrived in December of 19. And then a few months later, they canceled the football season because of COVID. So Ricky had an entire year as a head coach, not coaching anything. The players weren't able to get together. They were working. They were doing workouts at home. Guys were 
lifting water buckets at the end of broomsticks to work out. I mean, they're doing every, like, it was like Rocky. And uh, even a long snapper told me he worked at a grocery store and stayed sharp by hiking watermelons. (laughs) 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 And incidentally, that long snapper is now a team captain, which is quite rare. Um, But, uh, so yeah, they had a year of just inactivity, basically. But it, it did allow Ricky to get his staff in order and, I guess, establish some protocols. And once they did start practicing like a normal team, um, everything came together eventually. After seven games, they figured things out, and, and they haven't looked back. David Hall joining us. David, uh, the defensive performance the other night, stellar by Old Dominion. Is that something you uh, expect to see week to week? Does that say more about – Virginia Tech trying to, to figure things out offensively. First year, you know, quarterback, coach, all that stuff. Uh, how about this ODU defense? We'll see Saturday night. It's tough to say at this point, but, I mean, look, they had they have 10 players back on offense, which is amazing, but also seven back on defense. And it was a pretty decent defense last year. So uh, they had uh, – I'll give you an example. A linebacker, a sophomore kid from Pennsylvania named uh, Jason Henderson, he had 18 tackles Friday, so they they've got guys who can who can play, and I don't think they're very concerned about that. It's just a matter of execution, as always. So I, I think uh, their defense will be fine, uh, and and they are well aware of Holton Aylers, and they're well aware of ECU's uh, lengthy receivers, speedy receivers, and uh, they're they're preparing. And another point is that when they in the big lead-up to the opener against Virginia Tech, with Tech having a new coach in Brent Pry, even though Pry and Ricky Ronnie coached together at Penn State, Ricky didn't know what to expect. Think about it. They had no film. They had a spring game. That's all they could watch. Now, as Ricky said Monday, it's, quote, refreshing to have film on East Carolina and a coach who's been in place for a while, and you have some idea what they're going to do. So they'll, they'll be prepared. These two teams met uh, a few years ago, and and it was in Norfolk. And I just remember at the time, it was not a very good ECU team. It was not a good Old Dominion team either. I think ODU might have won one game that year, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, East Carolina won it at the end. Kind of an ugly game. But I remember saying, you know, this is Mike Houston's best win so far. It was a FBS win on the road. Certainly a much improved East Carolina team and, and a new regime there at old dominion so should be two uh pretty good teams going at it coming up this saturday david a lot different than uh the the meeting a few years ago yeah i think these are two teams who will be in the mix at the end of the year i mean uh, these these are probably bowl teams and if you ask ricky ronnie about a, a game four years ago between these schools he would say that does not matter these are completely new teams completely new you know the coaching stats are different um so anything can happen as as you saw in greenville last week anything can happen (laughs) (laughs) anything can and did happen in that game in uh in greenville last week david uh as you look at the sun belt overall what a uh what a hodgepodge of really really good football teams and it's going to be fascinating to see how these standings fluctuate throughout the year but uh it's going to be a lot of fun following uh sunbelt football this season how do you think odu uh fits in with the the rest of this league i think my opinion is in the minority actually i know it is because old dominion was picked to finish last 
in the Sunbelt East Division, hmm. which many consider the the best uh, non-Power 5 division in football. you got Appalachian State, Coastal Carolina, Georgia State, Marshall now. Um, and um, it, James Madison's one and oh, their first year up. So, <laughs> yep. Um, so, and James Madison, of course, has been a really, really good FCS program for years. Yeah. So, um, I, I, though Old Dominion can be competitive, I don't think that anybody over there's taken anything for granted as good as this division is. David Hall, Virginia pilot, joining us. David, if we want to uh, read more about ODU, follow your work. Uh, how can we go about doing that? Well, go to uh, pilotonline.com. You can follow me on Twitter at, uh, at David Hall VP, as in Virginian pilot, not as in vice president. Um, and uh, please read away and send your feedback. David, are you going to be making it to Daddy Ficklin Stadium this weekend? I wouldn't miss it for the world, Clip. <laughs> uh, it, it's going to be weird being back there, but uh, I'm also looking forward to it very much. That's awesome, man. Well, great to uh, catch up with you, chat with you. We'll see you on Saturday and uh, have a fun trip back here to Eastern North Carolina. Thanks for joining us today, David. Thank you, Clip. David Hall with a breakdown of Old Dominion. Got another one coming your way. Harry Minium from ODU. Uh, who uh, covers the football team, will join us coming up on Thursday's edition of Pirate Radio Live. So we'll have another breakdown for you, talk more about the personnel and the expectations from this Old Dominion team when Harry joins us on Thursday. Uh, Also uh, planning to hook up a uh, special segment uh, for the Delcor Players Lounge on Friday with Isaiah Winstead, East Carolina wide receiver. So got that nugget from uh, troy d earlier today so excited about that all right let's uh, get a break in we'll come back patrick mason will uh, give his thoughts on what he saw on the field and around the stadium on saturday at dowdy ficklin stadium we'll talk to the daily reflector writer when we return on pirate radio live right after this listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour brought to you by Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Drive a little and save a lot with a short trip to Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram on Highway 264 in Washington at WashingtonChryslerDodgeJeepRam.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Country Mart has been locally owned and operated for over 40 years and is your premier country store serving the best cheese biscuits and country food around Country Mart is open every day and has two locations, in Bethel on Highway 11 and in Stokes on Highway 903. Both Country Mart locations are top-of-the-line fuel stations serving shell gas, including 93-ethanol-free high-octane gas, which is the best for boat owners. Country Mart, fueling you up with great food and your engines with great gas. Now, let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip. And that was Shirley. What? That was Shirley. Oh. Yeah. What? You said here's Clip. I said that was Shirley. Oh. Yeah. I wanted people to know who was just talking. Awkward. Oh. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I was reading the live ad and all I could think about was And that's Shirley. They have cheese biscuits, but they also, if you're from the country, you know what I'm talking about. They got fat back. Oh boy. Mm. 
Get you a nice little biscuit, throw some fat back in it. Oh, All so right. good. I hear you. I hear you. CJ Schaefer's here. Chandler Honeycutt's here. And Patrick Mason is here. Have you ever had, have you ever had fat back, Patrick? No, I don't, I don't think so. How do you enjoy the Eastern North Carolina cuisine compared to what you're used to in the Midwest? I like it. There's definitely certain things you miss, though. I'll turn on your stupid game. By the way, it the, is the, the Pat- Mariners are playing the White Sox, so I should turn it on for Patrick anyway. All right, I go. You're not you're not even on the show yet. This guy thinks he runs the damn place, man. He's got a major. Like, yeah, this kid's got a major ego. He literally walked in the door, came over here to the Studio A, looked at the TV, and was like, "Oh my God, where's the game at?" So let's turn that on because Patrick, I looked at the standings yesterday and saw the White Sox, who you buried, or were just two games back. I think they're How three are you now. Doing? Three now. Yeah, I was completely out. Now I'm slightly back in. How right. is your mental health? It's not great. Oh yeah. <laughs> Did you Steven. answer the question about the uh, food I asked? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like it. There's just certain things you miss. You know, I think we talked about this before, maybe one time. But like you know, deep dish pizza, um, Italian beef sandwiches, stuff like uh, that. You can't okay. get up here. Um, what is an Italian beef sandwich exactly? I don't know. I mean, I'm, maybe you can kind of replicate it with like thin roast beef and mm-hmm. kind of season it up and it soaks in some juice and <laughs> <laughs> you put it on a sandwich and it's really good. Tasty. All right. Well, let's talk some football, Patrick. And we got to talk about a wild game that a lot of people were talking about and probably some of the worst football we've ever seen. Of course, I'm talking about Iowa and South Dakota State. <laughs> Iowa wins 7-3. to three Oh, my God. No touchdowns. On a field goal and two safeties. Whew. What in the world is happening over there? Let's just say I'm thankful I was watching East Carolina instead of that game. <laughs> How does a quarterback <laughs> in 2022 throw for 109 yards? And no offense. No offense? No offense. <laughs> no offense, but how do you one. do that against an FCS team? It's it's really despicable. It's it's rough. <laughs> despicable is it's, a good word for it. It's it's sad. My goodness. All right. Well, better. Hey, you won the game. Yeah. I'd rather be Iowa and NC State than I would East Carolina right now. That's right. At least you win that 7 to 3 game. And then you could argue that East Carolina maybe deserved to win more than those teams or you know played well enough to win more than those teams and you'd probably be right the numbers are the numbers east carolina's zero and one got to bounce back uh how you know patrick for you as an unbiased journalist uh the media is the uh the enemy of america but you know we'll talk about that another day but you you want to see <laughs> that'd be an interesting show <laughs> you, you want to see entertaining football and uh, you saw that. You want to see big-time environments, games that matter. You feel like you're at an important event. And you had all those boxes checked on Saturday, right? Yeah, you had all of that. I mean, I was interested for sure. I think everyone was interested in watching that game. Um, you know, especially in the second half. I mean, I don't know. If, if you were watching the game, you were glued to it, I'm sure. Um, I mean, I, I certainly was. <laughs> I didn't see, and I should have, because East Carolina in the first half, their defense – were absolute momentum killers for NC State. After a, a turnover, they'd come out, force a three and out. Like they got some big stops. They gave up that touchdown before the half, which was you, you know you didn't want to see that. But they came right out, second half kickoff, forced a, a quick you know three and out, got got a punt, and then the Pirates score and boom, you're right back in it at that point. 
And that, that pirate defense, man, just, just played with his head on fire all and, game. And they were really fast, too, and very physical. I thought that was the biggest thing that I wrote down a couple times was just the physicality everywhere, like at every position. I mean, those cornerbacks were hitting hard. I mean, it was just it was a really good display of you know some solid football that we heard about all camp. You know, we yeah. heard about the defense was flying around, and you know every every team says that, but we really got to see that on Saturday. And honestly, I came away very optimistic about the offense, and I say that because usually in games where you can't run, you, you can't really do either because they know you're going to throw, and and you just are, are set up in those third and long situations, and you get quarterback sacks, you get turnovers, things like that. Holden Aylers had his two interceptions in the first half, which were just, as he admitted, bad throws, poor throws. But for them to move the ball they did the way they did in the second half and the lack of it that came on the ground, I thought I came away impressed by that because I think they're going to have much better running days moving forward. Oh, for sure. That running game is going to be just fine, I think. Um, and I thought they, they knew, East Carolina knew, that they were going to have trouble running the ball because right away they were running some empty sets on offense. Yeah. Just like, hey, we're going to throw the ball. And you know what I thought was pretty interesting was when I was rewatching the game was just seeing Holton Aylers like just he takes his drop back and he knows where he's going to go with the football. I thought that was pretty cool. He got the ball out quick, which was what you need to do against that defense. And um, yeah, I thought he played much better in the second half too. Any uh, I don't know anything you learned uh, eye opening stuff from Mike Houston this week at the press conference? Anything you you got from him? Um, I mean, maybe nothing like groundbreaking, but I, I guess I thought that they just the way talking with some guys and even coach was just the way they rebounded from that game. Um, they all just kind of seemed upbeat, too. I know it was a few days after um, the loss, but I thought that was just kind of neat how they were like, all right, you know, it, it, it kind of sucked, but here we are, and we got another game to play. Um, well, I thought it was kind of nice how they reset. Yeah, they were able to do that last year, and it impressed me when the players would join us here on the Players' Lounge after an 0-2 start, especially that South Carolina game, which felt a lot like the NC State game. Absolutely. Where you, you had it. Like, you should have won it. Uh, but for those guys are very resilient, and I, I think now if they start 0-2 this year, that may change, and people are going to look at it a lot differently. But if they come out take care of business this week, they're kind of right back on track here. And that's the mark of a, a team, I guess a good team, right? You have to be able to bounce back from losses, and you just have to you have to flush it. I know it's easier said than done, but yeah, I guess they're saying all the right things right now, and you know we'll, we'll see. All right, uh, Patrick Mason joining us. How about, you know, week two, and Mike Houston addressed this, Bailey Malovic, I'm not sure if he's with the team currently, but he is uh, dealing with a, a family issue right now that we learned about that on the pregame show from Jeff Charles, and sounds like that's still going on, just a tough time for him. And then Rick DeBrew is, and Igo will have an update on this. I saw some stuff on Hoist the Colors, but it, it sounds like a doghouse situation. He's just got to practice his way out of it and back into the lineup, but from what i uh read from steven on hoist the colors it sounds like he is at least being seen more this week in practice than he was last week yeah and, and houston said he's you just kind of deferred to saying you know he's just one of the guys and you know he's going to put in work to see the field so it's just kind of a wait and see situation i guess how did you how did you think east carolina's defensive line played on saturday i think they played really well um sometime i thought the key was just kind of get devin leary off his spot you know just don't let him stand there and i thought they did a good job of at least making them get the ball out quick and moving them around a little bit. Um, I know they didn't get home too often, or I don't even know if they did at all. But, yeah. Um, I mean, just just that, I think just getting the ball out quick was huge. Yeah, there were two, at least two, maybe three of State's four third-down conversions that were third and longs where you're like, all right, let's get to them. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and take care of this, get a punt. And NC State converted. And those kind of outweighed the great third-down defensive day East Carolina had. Uh, State was four out of 13 
which is a great number for the defense. But the ones they converted were kind of like backbreakers, big plays. And they were over the middle of the field, too. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's just hard to defend. You know, when you're hanging around on a guy for, what, five seconds or something, he's bound to get open. So, you know, it, sometimes that just happens, though. But like you said, that, it's a pretty good percentage to get off the field. And I think they did, did a pretty good job with what they had. All right, I'm going to give the floor to Chandler Honeycutt. Chandler, your question for Patrick. Uh, well, I, I think about when I look back at this game, you talked about uh, ECU having to make a special teams play mm. to win the game. Instead, it was NC State that was doing so. Yeah. Uh, what did Mike Houston say anything about maybe making Why do you got to bring that up? I hyped up special teams like all offseason, and now you're going to just put, put that right back in my face. Uh, you gave the floor to me. <laughs> you're right. I asked Fair for enough. it, didn't I? Yeah, you sure did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure in the in the post. Yeah, that's your mistake, buddy. <laughs> All, right. All right. Yeah, that that's just something you got to get cleaned up. I think in the post game, you know, off the hip, uh, he said, you know, Larson's got to get rid of that ball. Um, I mean, they were they were crashing in on him. It's, it's tough there, but I mean, that's just something you got to practice, get cleaned up. I think I might, heard might take some time. I heard. I don't know if I saw a single kick return. I think I was in transit. So what was the the deal there? It sounded like Kevin Monroe. By the way, we'll talk to Kamo. Uh, Thursday on Pirate Radio Live, but sounds like he said Keaton was a little hesitant. Some I don't know. I, I noticed that on Saturday too, where he it was like he was kind of taking a jog, and it, I guess it was one of those deals where, as a running back, you're looking for a, a hole. To you're setting hit. up your blockers too, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like he wasn't taking off. We joked about a week before the game that he should just start running, sprinting as he's catching the football. Instead, he's like I guess, like you said, hesitant. Uh, Where did he catch the ball from? Almost those. Do y'all remember? On average, about the five yard line. Yeah, it was it was fairly deep. Um, and when there's some short, like, did they do some squibs or shorter kicks? Did they did before the they, half? Yeah, they kicked some had great field line. position right. to to start that drive before the half. And my thing, like he he definitely affected what they wanted to do on special teams. Since he stayed a couple times, was kicking it toward the sideline or kicking it, you know, short. Um, it you know wasn't squib kicks by any means, but they were trying to get the ball out of his hands. And I mean that that could totally come with just some more experience back there of just kind of understanding how to play that position because it is different. You know, it's different than just running the football from a few yards off the line of scrimmage. One thing uh, we talked about this with Bryce Williams yesterday. One thing that I was pleased with special teams wise was punt returns and Malik Fleming. And he didn't have any, you know, great returns or anything, but averaged seven plus a return, had a long of ten, and Bryce called that a, a first down. He said back when he played that special teams coach said, "Look at Kirk Dahl, if you, you just get a first down, get two first downs, get get those 10, 20 yard chunks, and you know that adds up, that that matters." So uh, I thought he looked pretty good back there, and maybe something to uh, to look out for the rest of the way. Yeah. And what I, what I look for, especially on punt returns, is if if he's got space, I'm always looking like, is he going to call that fair catch too early? Because a lot of guys just say, oh, man, I'm calling this fair yeah. catch when you got 10 yards space. And I, I thought it was pretty impressive that he just you know, took it every time. <laughs> Makes you nervous, but you're right. <laughs> yeah. he, he caught it. He I was aggressive. It, and I thought it was interesting that nobody, everybody was kind of trying to – and I say everybody because there was multiple people back there on Saturday. I, you saw Jalen Johnson back there returning punts, Malik Fleming, then also C.J. Johnson was back there. I thought that was interesting that they – put different bodies uh on punt returns so i don't know what that means going forward uh let's take a break we'll come back one more segment to go with patrick mason we will look ahead to week two old dominion also uh chandler myself and cj have to pick our top 10 team that's going to lose this week and our top 25 team that is going to lose this week uh week one one of us three is two and oh and two others are one and one 
I'll let you guess who's 2-0. and And I will tell you who's 2-0 and when we return on Pirate Radio Live right after this. Listening to Hour Two of Pirate Radio Live. This hour brought to you by Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Drive a little and save a lot with a short trip to Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram on Highway 264 in Washington at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back for the latest breaking news, interesting stories, and awesome contests that can make you a winner. Be sure to follow Pirate Radio on our social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PR927FM. You can join the over 59,000 followers today. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip. Back with you, Pirate Radio Live. A little bit more to go with uh, Patrick Mason. We'll get his thoughts on week two, ECU, Old Dominion. But real quick, before uh, CJ, Patrick, Stephen, all have to go out to ECU practice. We got the coordinators today, so keep it locked to our social media accounts for Donnie Kirkpatrick and Blake Harrell, along with Mike Houston. Uh, but let's go over our upsets uh, coming up this week. So last week we started it. We're all, we're picking a top ten team to lose and a top twenty five team to lose. I went two and a. I gave y'all a free space last week. I'll give you credit. Y'all didn't take the free space. Y'all went tough, and um, you picked. Uh, oh yeah, well your top ten team lost actually. I was about to say yeah Utah, which they should have freaking won through an interception at the end. Uh, but y'all had. Pitt losing and West Virginia uh, lost that game in a classic last Thursday night. Classic. So y'all went one and one. I had Notre Dame and Cincinnati losing two and zero. Oh. All right, this week my top ten team to lose is going to be Baylor. As a matter of fact, I think they're underdogs uh, to they are. to BYU. Hmm. So I will take Baylor to lose out of the top ten. My top twenty five team to lose. I'm going with the team y'all picked last week, Pitt. And I don't feel great about it, but they too are underdogs uh, as they take on Tennessee. So I'm going to go Baylor and Pitt, my teams to lose this week. Chandler, who's your top 10 team to lose? My top 10 team to lose is just like yours. Both of my picks are home favorites. Uh, I'm going BYU at home against Baylor. Uh, And then my top 25 uh, Texas Tech is a three-point favorite over yeah. Houston. I'm going to go Texas Tech. I'm going to go Red Raiders over the Cougars. Just like Holt Naylor's last week, leading rusher for the Pirates, Clayton Toon was the leading rusher <clears throat> for Houston last week with 51 yards. All right, and they barely escaped uh, UTSA last week in triple overtime. CJ? I am going to go BYU over Baylor as well for the top 10. Uh, my top 25 loss, I have Kentucky falling to Florida. All right. I just have a lot more confidence in Florida than I do Kentucky. I tell you what, uh, Florida looked awesome last week. Anthony Their quarterback, Richardson, Richardson uh, was fantastic. So there you go. Our week two upsets are in the books. All right, Patrick, early thoughts on East Carolina, Old Dominion. Monarchs come in 1-0 and after beating an in-state rival. David Hall, who covers the team, said that the, the party had stopped by Sunday. we'll see if that's the case but i mean a huge letdown spot we watch sports we see it happen all the time 
do you think uh, ODU can avoid that letdown for East Carolina? They're trying to avoid, you know, letting the same team beat them twice. So there's the psychology behind this one, I guess. Yeah, I I just think East Carolina is more talented than them. I mean, I, I just think it comes down to that, and I think East Carolina will will figure it out. Was NC State more talented than East Carolina? Um, you know, they they I think they might have been, but they certainly didn't play like it. I don't think they NC State was should be happy at all with the way they played. Um, you know, part of that has to do with how East Carolina, you know, how they matched up and how they, you know, schemed. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously talent doesn't always come through. But, um, you know, I think East Carolina is definitely in good shape. All right. Patrick Mason will be uh, there on Saturday. He'll also join us on the Bud Light pregame tailgate. You're welcome to uh, drop by. But we'll uh, we'll give you a call out uh, as you make the trip from Rocky Mount, right? Yeah. On, uh, on Saturday. Good That's stuff. Right. Uh, anything else we need to know? Where can we uh, check out your work? Yeah, just on the Daily Reflector. Um, and I guess, I guess I want to say one more thing real quick. I, I'm really excited to see how the wide receivers, you know, transition into the second game and just kind of how they just how they mesh more with the quarterback and in the offense. Because what I saw out of Isaiah Winstead, man, he's got That's that. A, I'm telling you. He's got that guagi, that go up and get it. You know, he's 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 special. So I think it'll be fun to, to see him. He's got the what? Guagi. Go up and get it. I got to <laughs> tell you. I go didn't know. Did you know that was a thing? It. I, guwagi it's, it's a thing now it's a thing well he's got it he's got the guwagi I, I, yeah i just want to just want to see him play when he gets comfortable and i think it'll be pretty i exciting. love him man i think he's uh a beast i like that he gets into it with the opposing guy because he's so damn quiet he'll barely say anything when we talk to him but when you get on the field the flip switches and there you go even when he caught that pass uh on the one yard line right at the goal line uh, I feel like he just kind of got up and just nodded his head like, yeah. all right, cool. <laughs> and uh, almost got in the end zone, had his hands on a ball. Would have been a great catch. Couldn't get that one. But, uh, yeah, he'll find pay dirt very, very soon. Patrick, thanks for joining us, man. For sure. Thanks. Talk to you uh, Saturday. Yep. P. Mace, Patrick Mason, Guagi, Guagi. Go up and get it. Guagi. All right, I like Go that. Go up and get it. Take a timeout. Come back. Steven Igo, Hoist the Colors, will join us. And we'll uh, have some some categories, some awards to give away. We'll have our offensive and defensive MVP from Saturday, our Bird Up Award, best unit, worst unit, best play. We'll uh, do all that when we return on Pirate Radio Live. Also, make some picks. One of us was two and three last week. One of us was one and four. Yikes! <laughs> I'll tell you who was who after this. Listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour of PRL is brought to you by Bud Light. Reminding Pirate fans to stay in the game and drink responsibly. Bud Light, the official beer of the ECU Pirates and proudly distributed by Carolina Eagle Distributing since 1989. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Live well, move more, and hurt less with Kinetic Physical Therapy. If you're recovering from an injury, getting back into sports, dealing with everyday pain or fatigue, then Kinetic Physical Therapy can help you get back on track and live well. Kinetic has nationally certified therapists for physical, occupational, speech, and massage therapy, all in a state-of-the-art facility on Arlington Boulevard in Greenville. Visit KineticPTGreenville.com for more information. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Cliff. And that was Shirley. Thank you. You got it. 
CJ Schaefer here, a.k.a. AC. Stephen Igo, Hoist the Colors, joining Chandler and I in the Pirate Radio Studios. Igo, I got good news. I got bad news. The bad news is I added to the Igo song. The good news is it is shorter because I sped it up. So, Shirley, let's hit it. I go, I go, I go, I go, he's the one you know. I go, I go, I go, I go, I go, he's the boomer's bro. I go, I go, I go, I go, I go, he's gonna be the show. Ah, what a joke. I go, I go, I go, I go, I go. Where did Chandler go? I go, I go, I go, I go, I go. I'm sitting right here, bro. This is definitely a better person. This is I go, I go, I go, I go. This song continues to grow. I go, I go, I go, I go, I go. Can we just get back to the show? I feel like I'm on a roller coaster. I go, I go, I go, I go, I go. All right, this is Michael Rashko. I go, I go, I go, I go, I go. I go, Dave Gorin, let's go, Schmo. I go, I go, I go, I go, I go. I go, I go, I go, I go, I go. We should have Corey Lewis saying, hello. I go, I go, I go, I go, I go. Hello. I go, I go, I go, I go. I go, this part's in slow-mo. It's kind of normal now. I go, I go, I go, I go, I go. Sebastian Ajo! I go, I go, I go, I go, I go. He's back in studio. I go, I go, I go, I go, I go. CJ, you're up. I'll take a red from. I'll take a red from. I go, I go, I go, I go, I go. I go, I go, I go, I go, I go. Oh, I stubbed my toe. I go, I go, I go, I go, I go. I'll just do this week's live on the show. Alright, now we're back to normal speed. Alright. I go, I go, I go. I go. Donde esta el banjo? Spanish in there, and that is it, folks. Wow, <laughs> wow, man, what a ride! I oh, feel like I wow. just, I like feel... you said, got off a roller coaster. And now that we've done that, we can't go back to normal speed, you know. No, but we got to keep that. Yeah, I mean, that was and it just brings so much more energy. Like, yeah, I feel like when we play the original version, it honestly <laughs> just sucks the life out of me <laughs> as I sit here. So, yeah, we got to keep that, and everybody oh, listening. Yes. Wow. Oh, dude, that was great. All right. Um, Steven, welcome in. Uh, let's do this real quick, Steven. Let's do some awards uh, for the opener before we look ahead. Because it is Wednesday. It's about it's time to turn the page. But this is our first opportunity to uh, talk to you since uh, the game. So Yeah, and... Um you send me this list and i i'm just going off the cuff so i like i didn't write down who i'm picking so i'm just gonna let it come to me naturally what about you did you make your choices ahead of time um not really okay well let's roll i told you what we were gonna do and then i haven't thought about it since same all right good all right offensive mvp from saturday I'm going to go with C.J. Johnson. Would say Holt Nailers, but he did have two interceptions. So I'm going to go Johnson with the big play, the catch and run for a touchdown, and, and all the other plays he made on Saturday. Some people called that going into the game. I was a little anxious, you know, kind of worried. Like, what, 
where is he on this team right now well he's he's back to being Ayler's guy so i'm gonna call him my offensive mvp i'm gonna go with holton Ayler's. i know you have the two picks but really outside of those throws i thought he he played a good game you know he didn't have any running game to help him out um he did a ton of running himself i thought he picked great spots to run i thought he put ecu in position to win at the end of the day and to me against a really good defense um he was my mm. MVP as that ball is just absolutely mm. annihilated. This dude always hits home runs. Yeah. Suarez. E. Eugenio Suarez, as P. Mace is not happy right now with that result. Patrick hey, Mason. Bomb. Good grief. All right. Is that his name? E. Eugenio Suarez. I always called him Eugenio. E. Eugenio Suarez. I mean, that ball was, and this is 1,000th major league hit that ball was absolutely destroyed bad spacing there on that graphic yeah all right what do you got for uh so aylers is your guy yeah do i have to turn this i'm gonna go with eugenio suarez (laughs) as my offensive mvp um you guys want to chime in it probably isn't anything different cj johnson for me yeah uh coming off the suspension um thought it was a good bounce back game in his first game of the season and first game back from suspension suspension defensive mvp one player i'm gonna go julius wood i was gonna say like he now we do have a category called the bird up player of the game which are players that uh you know made a spark maybe not the mvp but somebody that uh they kind of sparked the team uh defensive mvp let's go with stringer gerard stringer with the pick no, or Jaro Wilson. Wilson I'm <laughs> sorry, Jaro Wilson. So you give with it the to two guys? No, I'm gonna go um, with. That's more of a bird up play, though. Yeah, because he only played, I think, 15 snaps. Yeah, he can't be the MVP. That's a bird up play. Uh, Julius Wood. I'll go with Wood. I'll go with Gerard Stringer. He actually turned in an elite grade per Pro Football Focus. I think he was in. You know, they grade guys zero to 100. I think he was like 88 um he was everywhere man i think he had 10 tackles to to lead the team he was good in coverage shout out to my runner-up malik fleming yeah i mean he played really good more on him in a moment in uh another selection all right uh you said wood i said gerard stringer as well and i did write notes for that one but it was everything i go said i'm a little upset about it i'm just gonna say my bad man good job there cj how about we'll start with you next then so the bird up award is a player that provided a spark maybe not an mvp on the team but it's a good uh, thing you didn't spoil this one i don't think of another one who's your bird up guy yeah i i think if i was going to think of another one uh it would be holt nailers because of uh i think i go i think you alluded to it he threw two interceptions but otherwise it seemed like he made every right decision uh it seems like anytime you needed uh, timely third down conversion. He was there sometimes through the air, sometimes on the ground. Did he lead the team in rushing oh, yeah. on yep. Saturday? Yeah. So when the rushing game doesn't get going, do it yourself. Um, and I think he was a great leader on Saturday. All right. Um, yeah. Jaira's pick was great. Uh, on the offensive side, uh, Spark. I mean, I, Isaiah Winstead, he's not an MVP, but, man, after those drops, he came back and yep. made some big-time plays and looked the part. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about him. Yeah, I think Winstead kind of has to be your guy unless you want to go, like, O-line. 
um yeah i i'll be honest i didn't uh you kind of crunched the numbers i want to ask you about that later but i didn't pass protection they were good yeah solid run from blocking not as much Obviously. um but i'll go winstead because i feel like when ecu needed him most on those big drives in the second half specifically the one that calhoun scored on you know he made some big time plays big time catches I'll go with I'll go with Wilson's interception. I kind of want to go with the defense as a whole getting off the field after, especially that early pick from Holt Nailers. Even the second one, they were able to get off the field. They couldn't stop them on third and fifteen plus for some reason. But other than that, they were giving the uh, ball back to the offense to give them chances. But I'll just go with Jaro Wilson's interception. All right, for best unit, I don't know if I'm if I can go corners or secondary. I don't know if unit if secondary counts as a unit, and I I don't know what the numbers say. I I was kind of worried about this. Jeff Charles, and this stuck with me, said the coaches are concerned about two things: the O line blocking NC State's D line in the run game, and they had a right to be concerned. And he said the corners and you know secondary against state's receivers because leary likes to throw the deep ball they're going to take some chances and they might could find some matchups out there i thought the secondary was fantastic so my best unit award will go to the dbs for east carolina um i agree with that i mean i think i think it has to almost be the dbs because of how good they played specifically the corners for me they were great in coverage now ecu did protect them a little bit we didn't see as many blitzes on third and long I think for those reasons, and that led to some underneath conversions. Um, but I thought overall they played really well. You know, third play of the game for NC State, what was it, third and eight, Devin Leary goes deep to Demel Hickman. Like, we knew that was going to happen, and Hickman was running for the guy stri- stride for stride, incomplete pass. So um, I thought the corners answered the call. All right. Any other units that stood out? I'm going to go, and I know the, ru- the run game was not good at all. Their offensive line was getting blown up there during the run game but i feel like and you mentioned this earlier if your run game's not good then your pass game is definitely not going to be good but it was kind of the opposite on saturday for ecu i feel like the pass protection from the offensive line was really well i feel like they picked up a lot of the blitzes that uh nc state was giving them uh I, they kept holt nailers clean for the most part so and, and as, if anybody or any ecu fan knows the offensive line has been a struggle for years so it was uh, very refreshing to see some good pra- pass protection and see Holton have a clean pocket for most of the game. Yeah, my my answer is the secondary, but I'm also with Chandler. I think the offensive line does deserve a shout-out, at least for the pass protection, because not only was Holton Naylor's not sacked the entire game, I'd, I don't really think NC State put a lot of pressure on him at all to like force him out of the pocket, force him to make any quick decisions. So I think that was very impressive, and I'd like to see him keep it up this weekend. All right, worst unit. Um, Special teams. Does that count as a unit, or do I have to yeah. specify one? I think special teams is a unit. All right. Well, that was the worst unit by far. I did say I go. I was pleased with the punt returns. Yes, I mean that was Fleming. a positive yeah. of special teams for sure. He consistently made the first guy miss, got positive yardage. He averaged seven point four yards per return. He did his job, and then some. He made good decisions too. Like when the ball was rolling, he would pick it up. You know, he didn't put the ball in danger, so I just thought he looked very comfortable back there. And rough debut for Mitchell at kick return, but I'm not ready to write that off just yet. Maybe I'm wrong, but... There's just so much more that goes into it. Like, you know, people say he needs to run faster. Like, if you just do that, you're going to run by all your blockers. You have to wait for your blockers to set up. You don't just take the ball and run 100 miles an hour. So, like, he's waiting... He does the same thing when he's at running back. 
he doesn't get the handoff and run past his offensive line. He waits for the guys to, mm-hmm. to block. Otherwise, you're just going to run yourself into five NC State players, which I guess technically he still did because guys didn't make blocks. But there's nah, a lot of running backs like uh, Clinton Portis used to do it too, where he would like just kind of stall back yeah, there, you, and then that's move. one of Keaton's best features. I think is is kind of like waiting for the play to develop. I feel like Le'Veon Bell, correct me yeah, if I'm wrong. Le'Veon like Bell used to literally like, he would have his hand on the offensive lineman's back and just kind of like and then and then bounce. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, any argument there? Worst unit, special teams? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, any other, uh, what was your uh, oh, best play? I was thinking about this, Steven. I'm going to go a little off the board here, and it's going to be one of the Keaton Mitchell plays. They had one where he looked like a video game where he L1 and went outside, but I, yeah. that play on the catch and run, like that was a huge moment of that game. And also, I think it it sets up more plays like that uh, later on this season. We're going to see him catching the ball out of the backfield. So I'm going to go with that play. I really catch and run. I really thought he was going to score on that play. Like um, he blew past. Man, there were three NC State guys that thought they had the angle originally. He just ran right past them. Then the guys that were like 50 yards downfield were able to get to him just because they were so far back. But um. I mean, how can you not go goal line stand? If you rewatch the play, Jeremy Lewis identifies basically where they're going to run it. He's pointing to it, the gap. Him and Elijah Morris blow it up. That allows Julius Wood to come free. He lays the wood. Then, like, eight other dudes hit him. So, I, I just think total team play, you got to go with that one. No doubt. Uh, awesome I mean, yeah. play. Uh, iconic. All right, what do you guys got? I got to go with the goal line stand. I, I'll go with back the back goal line stands at that. Miles Berry, too, with the forced fumble. The he was given credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the goal line stand is obviously the answer. But again, I do want to give a shout out to another play, which was the first uh, touchdown to yeah. CJ Johnson. I yeah. think that was. I think that was a huge play, not just for the confidence of C.J. Johnson, but also because of what happened the previous drive. You throw an interception, you come back down. Uh, not only do you move the ball well down the field, you put up seven points and you take the lead. I go. I, I want to see the all twenty-two on that. How was he? That had to be a great design or a major breakdown for something because after he caught the ball, there's nobody off. there. Yeah, he the, could have ran for four hundred yards. The the safety to the backside. He took just a terrible angle, and uh, basically CJ cut it back. It, it was not a good play by their secondary, but you could tell it was a play that that ECU had worked on because I think it was Holton's first read. It was wide open. Um, NC State came out with a ton of pressure i mean they were basically taking the run away yeah like i mean they have a good enough run defense as it is and they were committing to taking the run away so you had to to come out throwing they pretty much didn't believe that ecu had the receivers to beat them which we knew was going to be the game plan i go uh give me a time what time do you need to leave uh 5 35 all right let's take a break we'll come back we will talk ecu odu we will Make some college football picks and have more for you. Quick update on the Buccaneer Music Hall scoreboard presented by Dubuck. Dubuck. The Mariners up 4 to nothing on the White Sox in the fourth inning as they play in Seattle. More to go with Igo. Back with you after this.
You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour of PRL is brought to you by Bud Light. Reminding pirate fans to stay in the game and drink responsibly. Bud Light, the official beer of the ECU Pirates and proudly distributed by Carolina Eagle Distributing since 1989. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. To get the business services that are right for your business today, contact the team of experienced local bankers at First Bank. The team includes bankers you can trust like Ashley Capps, Lee Watson, Bonner Latham, Chris Richards, Josh Hooten, and Heath Nesbitt. First Bank, together with our customers, they're creating a world where individuals and communities thrive. First Bank, located on Arlington Boulevard in Greenville. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip. Hey, that was Shirley, the Chan Man, the man of Chan, Chandler Honeycutt is moving over to studio b cj schaefer off to practice with jenny shelton and crew as we'll have interviews and comments from well, i love that play I'll talk about it in a second from uh mike houston donnie kirkpatrick and blake harrell coming up i go when i was a young lad lad chunky first baseman i was a not very fleet of foot so when I would field a ground ball and a fast runner was running to first, I used to utilize the slide into first base uh, to get the runner out. And we just saw that happen in the game. Does that actually work? I don't know, but uh, it, looked, it felt cool to do it. I but guess it, it just avoids a collision, if nothing else. And, uh, you know, at that point I could, like, pop up slide, so it kind of right. looked cool, you know. All right, uh, I go Old Dominion. Uh, I talked to David Hall, writer for the Virginian Pilot earlier. He said... That the party stopped by Sunday, and the guys moved on and moved their focus to East Carolina. I don't know if I believe that, but uh, I think that was a great result for East Carolina that Old Dominion knocked off Virginia Tech in the way they knocked them off too, with all the uh, alone, all the uh, student body on the field dancing the Young Jeezy on Friday night. Yeah, I mean, I do think it helps them that it was a Friday night game and not a Saturday night. They get an extra day to recover, prepare for ECU. True. Um, you know, I did think ECU would be favored. I, I'm still surprised at the line, though. Like, I think ODU, you know, I watched their bowl game last year. I watched the majority of the Virginia Tech game, and they didn't look great. But they've got, like, an all-conference player at pretty much every every level of their team. They got a 1,000-yard rusher. They got a 1,000-yard receiver. They got a tight end that caught 70 catches last year. A uh, good quarterback with experience now. What are you doing? I'm just touching the logo that was put on our screen. Oh, okay. Um, I'm glad you're paying attention. Uh, defensively, they got a guy who had 18 tackles at linebacker. They had a defensive end with five, six sacks last year. So, And they got uh, our old friend Robert Kennedy at safety. Oh, yeah. Who uh, returned the, the fumble for a touchdown last week. They've scored a lot on special teams. They've blocked a lot of punts. Somebody on Hoist the Color said they've I think they led the country last year in block kicks and Colin punts. Colin LaGrange said that stat earlier. It was yeah. like 10 combined. So, I mean, if you – I mean, I'll say this. I've been out to practice the last two days, and prior to practice, they are working hard on special teams. Tons of uh, – you know, I don't know if you can overemphasize it, but it, it seems like they are putting the most possible time they can put into it. Well, it was a letdown, mostly because I hyped it up so damn much and talked about how they're putting all their good players up there and the, you know it's gonna be awesome and then it is the reason they lost the freaking game so i uh, hated that that happened i don't i go with robert kennedy correct me if i'm wrong and if i am i want you to name the guy who i'm thinking of 
Oh, this, my goodness. The White, White Sox, Sox defense is not good. They are bad, bad. Uh, is Robert Kennedy the guy that like gave up on a play and then just left and never was heard from again? It was a road game. Yes, yeah. He uh, was that him. Yeah. Yep. It was at Tulsa, I believe. And they like was chasing down a guy, mm-hmm. but just kind of quit. Yep. And like and we literally never heard from him again. I think he got called out. He didn't like it. And he left. And he hit yeah. the portal. He went to ODU, and now he's starting, starting there. So um, revenge game. I'm sure he'll be fired up. But if you're ECU, man, like if the dude wouldn't tackle for you, is he going to tackle against you? I'm sure he'll be motivated, but. I foresee, is he a safety? Yeah, he's like a nickel safety type of guy. I foresee him and CJ and or Isaiah getting nose-to-nose at some point on Saturday. Yeah, I'll be watching it, man. I think it's, you know, and he, he's a talented player. He's got good speed, and so I, I think he can definitely help ODU. There's a reason he's starting there, so uh, we'll see. Uh, their offense was pretty brutal the other night, and give credit, I guess, to uh, Virginia Tech, but... Uh, their quarterback, David Hall, said, you know, he put up some numbers last year, brighter days ahead for him, but I don't know. Anything to be concerned about there? Yeah, I mean, to me, like, I'm more concerned. They're solid defensively, but their offense is better than what they showed. I mean, they got a 6'8 tight end who was a four-star recruit, Penn State transfer. I, like, who's going to cover him for ECU? I don't know. I mean, Virginia Tech held him two catches. They got Ali. Uh, George Stringer. I mean, I guess they can they cover him, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, Ali Jennings had a thousand yards last year. He put up 118 yards against Virginia Tech, and they got a 1,000 yard rusher. So, I mean, I guess the good news is if you take those guys away, there is a drop off. But like, can you take away a running back, a number one receiver, and a number one tight end? I want to see this defense do this consistently week in, week out, not just because they're jacked up to play. This is a big, big challenge for them. Like. You're coming off a pretty good performance defensively. You're getting some pat on the backs. Like, Old Dominion's kind of sneaky good offensively. Like, the Hayden Wolf kid, he'll play better than he did last week, I think. Yeah, their offensive line is inconsistent, so that's where you can win some matchups. But, you know, want to see more pressure this week. ECU, I think, only had, like, four pressures on the quarterback last week. Again, played some coverage. Mixed it up pretty good on Devin Leary, which worked. But uh, you do want to see a little bit more pressure, some more sacks. I go you available 3 o'clock, 3.20-ish on Saturday? Yes, sir. All right, we'll do that. We'll uh, talk about the edge. I'm also scheduled to be on the uh, UBE Pirate Preview Show. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, Jeff Jeff Charles gave me a call today. How about a glow-up from um, so That's awesome, man. Excited about that. That is really cool. Um, Yeah, so you'll be going one-on-one with The Voice Friday. One-on-one with The Voice. You going in live? Yep, yeah. I think uh, twelve fifteen is what we're scheduled for. How about that, folks? I can't wait to hear that. The story of Stephen Igo. I hope he goes back like Jeff likes to do. And I think that's kind of what your we're childhood for. and like how hoist the colors got started. Yeah, that sort of deal. Not you know we might talk about the game some, but a visit now with <laughs> and that's Stephen Igo and that's Stephen Igo. Can you talk about how? influential and influential i can talk about it's one you haven't seen him play he's one of the best players on saturday influ mitchell from uh influ mitchell yeah he's a good good guy how influential i've been on your career and really life in general could you mention that let's go back to that original dm you sent me that's right i kind of got the ball rolling man hey man enjoy your work want to come on the sports bar whatever it was all right play trivia was it about yeah i think it was come play trivia and talk some pirates yeah yeah and here we go here we go 
just rest is history we've had the momentum ever since keep what that, a great marriage it became keep that ball rolling all right let's make some picks i tell you it wasn't great what well, wasn't great picks last week yeah i mean tough start tough start so i was off on state state i was off on everything else uh we both won odu you won east carolina we both lost app state by a half point we kind of read it right but got it wrong that was just weird was, i mean that game uh, the worst read of all time was us saying oregon could hang with georgia <laughs> I, I know that both of us had no like clue what to pick in that game so i feel like we both just went oregon because of the number which clearly was a mistake and then ohio state needed either three more minutes or just needed to do something in the first half and they would have covered but they didn't they uh did not cover against notre dame kind of piddled around all right i go so um i never tell you uh, sometimes i do a lot of times i don't even tell you the games i pick yeah i mean we're just here. rolling but you do know i'm going to ask you east carolina versus odu uh what side are you on you know was the number at 13 or so uh, 12 and a half yeah i'm going odu here i mean i just feel like it's a lot of points and i see a scenario where ecu could cover winning like 31 17 and which i think is a very realistic score but i, I just feel like it's going to be a tighter game than that so I'm, I'm picking odu to cover i think i am too it's almost more so i was wrong last week and i don't want to swing my pick to east carolina and be wrong again i'd rather be wrong taking old dominion than wrong taking east carolina if that makes sense so i'll go pirates 33 to 33 to 24 gets us home 33 23 something like that all right uh i go i like to sprinkle in some american so let's go houston on the road at texas tech red raiders by three kind of surprised that they're favored here i i think this is a houston hey let's sleep on um the cougars after they struggled against utsa and i think they bounced back and they cover on the road uh last year i want to say houston was up early and then got beat pretty bad by texas tech uh this year houston will get them i will take the cougars have you looked at the alabama texas line i have not take a guess on it alabama is my <laughs> pick regardless of what it is i'm gonna say alabama 23 that's 20 so yeah. you're going bama yep i'll go bama i'm not gonna pick against bama here's an interesting one i go pittsburgh at home home dog to tennessee tennessee minus six and a half i think i'm gonna take tennessee to win but i'll take pitt plus the uh points there give me pitt and i don't love pitt what is I, it again six and a half and tennessee can roll up points i like their quarterback but tennessee yeah all right and i love this east carolina went down to georgia state guess who else is going down there north carolina what is unc doing at, i have at, no idea at georgia i have no idea they i like it on the g5 train <sighs> north carolina minus seven and a half against the panthers uh, i'm going unc here uh, i don't know i guess georgia state looked pretty good against south carolina last week but i'm going unc uh, i just feel like they got a really good offense and i think their defense is is better or is he going to play better, I should say. I just, they're flirting with danger, disaster too much. Gene Chizik says he knows what the issues are. So do I, Gene. Your defense sucks. I'll take Georgia State plus seven and a half. I go. Anything you want to plug? Check out hoistthecolors.net, Hoist the Colors podcast. I got to get over to interviews. I got people texting me. So I'm All right. Out. Thanks, buddy. All right. See you guys. Charlie Rhodes, open up that booty bag, please, ma'am.
Booty, 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 booty everywhere. Booty, 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 booty everywhere. All right, 317-1250. is the number. Shirley, what are you giving away on this Wednesday? How about a shrimp taco lunch courtesy of Chico's? How about that? Catch me over at Chico's. How about that? Shrimp tacos. Man, so many things you can do with shrimp. Whoever decided, hey, we should throw these in uh, some soft taco shells. Absolute genius, that man. Or woman. Or alien. I'm going to have to take your word on that. Uh, You're not a shrimper? I don't eat seafood at all. Fair enough. Same sister. More for me. (laughs) And more for caller number six. Caller six, 317-1250. We're back with more. We'll hear uh, some Mike Houston comments when we return on PRL after this. Listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour of PRL is brought to you by Bud Light. Reminding pirate fans to stay in the game and drink responsibly. Bud Light, the official beer of the ECU Pirates and proudly distributed by Carolina Eagle Distributing since 1989. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Congratulations to Mike Penuel from Apex who picked up excuse me, a uh, shrimp taco lunch courtesy of Chico's. Grab your amigos and head to Chico's. Enjoy your favorites like shrimp tacos, steak and chicken fajitas, burritos, enchiladas, ACP, and more. Plus, ice cold cervezas and Chico's famous margaritas are always available. For Mexican food and fun, it's gotta be Chico's. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip. Hi, that's our guy Mike P. Mike P. Mike Punchline. Congratulations to Michael Punchline for the win today chico's head over to chico's have chico's. a great dinner and then afterwards head over to aj's for sports trivia i am pumped about tonight because it is all nfl questions sweet here's what i did chandler i looked at the nfl sheshwell sheshwell i put bills versus rams okay uh-huh. I, got, I got a question about the bills i got a question about the rams okay so on and so forth all the way through the sheshwell sheshwell <laughs> and <laughs> that is what we're doing tonight so all nfl baby let's go baby basketball baseball get out tennis, of here golf get out of here lacrosse volleyball swimming get out of here diving get out of here racing get out of here get out of here get oh. college football out out canadian football league get out of here usfl get out of here XFL. No! get out mike houston spoke earlier this week at his weekly press conference and here were his opening comments Hey, Shirley. Yes? Um, opening comments from Mike Houston. Oh, sorry. We're playing a freaking game. I had taken my headphones off. Racquetball. He, he was screaming into the mic. Handball. All right. Out. You want his opening comments? Badminton. We're having a freaking game, and this is what he said. Obviously a tough one this past weekend. Uh, you know, first just want to start off with just, you know, thanking our fan base, uh, our alums, 
I mean, just what a what an incredible opener. Um, you know, who who would have ever imagined uh, you know Daddy Ficklin Stadium getting back to this? And it's you know I, I talked about it when I was hired that we that was the goals to get get the fan base back united and get get everybody back involved and invested in the program and and certainly you know Pirate Nation's done their part in, in responding and it's you know the the stadium was just incredible on Saturday. Uh, it's what we all want. You know, fans want it, the players want it, the administration, the coaches. I mean, it's it's what we all want. It was it was fantastic, and so and uh, and, and just what a, what a great game against a uh, a very good opponent, and uh, just really pleased with how the players uh, responded, particularly in the second half, uh, and just played so well down the stretch. Uh, you know, just the fourth quarter, the way our, our kids competed, um, and it's just really a, a tough one to swallow. You know, with the way the game ended, but uh, you know, it's. It's a uh, it's a tough loss, but it's uh, it's one that we can take a lot of positives from. It's one that we can take a lot of things we got to do better from, because obviously uh, there's some easily corrected uh, mistakes uh, that could have helped us win the ball game. And so that's what we focused on the last couple of days. It's what we focusing on at practice today. It'll be very important for us to get uh, you know to get some things corrected. And, and the goal this week is to get better. You know we got we we have to play better this coming Saturday than we did last Saturday. You know we're we're facing a, a, a very very good opponent. Um, you know, I, I watched the game live the other night. I've had a chance to watch the film the last couple of days, and you know that was not an upset. I mean, the better team won the ball game, and to be honest, it probably should have been a wider margin of victory than it was. Uh, Old Dominion is a very solid football team. Uh, you know, offensively, defensively, special teams. I think that uh, I think they they do some really really good things. They have playmakers on offense all over the place. Uh, I really like what they do defensively. Um, I just I think that's a, a very, very good team. I think it's going to be a dogfight on Saturday. I think that we've got to improve this week in order to have a chance to win. So uh, Ricky's done a great job there. You know, he came in uh, right after the 19 season uh, and had to kind of rebuild the roster there uh, and has done a very good job. And, uh, you know we, know, we know a lot of those guys. You know, I know ODU very well from my time at uh, James Madison. and. Uh, you know, they've got a passionate fan base also, and so it should be a uh, pretty rocking stadium on Saturday. All right, Mike Houston there. This is from his Tuesday weekly press conference. We'll hear more comments from Mike Houston coming up in about 15 minutes or so uh, after we're off the air. So stay tuned to our social media uh, sites for those uh, interviews with Donnie Kirkpatrick, Blake Harrell, and the head ball coach, Mike Houston. Uh, Shirley, let's hear about the, uh, the health of Holt Nailers. This is, again, from... Tuesday morning ahead of Tuesday's practice. We talked to Holton Monday, said he was doing okay, going to do the proper training, be ready to go for Saturday. But here's what Mike Houston had to say, cut seven. Um, yeah, Holton's, Holton's good to go. Uh, he'll practice today, so uh, should be no issues there. And, uh, you know, we had made the decision and sat, you know, all the quarterbacks down last week and uh, just in general, uh, you know, said if it's, a, if it's a deal where it's just one play, you know, helmet comes off, whatever. Uh, Alex would go in uh, and run the offense. Uh, if it's something where it's extended or whatever, uh, then we'll use Mason. And I just, you know, it's not that we've made a decision towards redshirting or not redshirting. And certainly, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with Mason. And, you know, I just, I think the world of him and, and have the ultimate amount of confidence in him. But, uh, you know, I don't want to burn a game for one snap early in the season and then look up late in the year and say, boy, I wish I hadn't done that. So just you know, trying to be deliberate with how we use his eligibility, and that's what's best for him and the program. 
So there is Mike Houston on what it looks like behind Holt Nailers, and that made sense. We actually talked about that on the fifth quarter on Saturday, the decision to put in Alex Flynn and not Mason Garcia uh, because it looked like Holton was going to be able to go right back into the game, which he was able to do. How about the uh, play on the field, the performance on Saturday from Holton Naylor's Cup 4? I thought Holton played very, very well. Uh, you know, there were a couple of drops in the first half that I'd you know, probably you know, chalk those up to, you know, first game, first game with us. You know, because there were from some guys that are new, but I thought they all settled down and played very well in the second half. But I thought Holton from the from the very beginning, I thought he played very well. Uh, you know, I, he wishes he had the the one overthrow in the red zone back where he just you know sailed it a little bit on Isaiah. But you know, he's on the run, and you know it's uh, you know he'll learn from that. But uh, I thought he played very very well. Uh, he was playing against a very good defense, and they did some stuff that's pretty pretty complex. Uh, we kind of knew what we thought they were going to do to us and uh, he did a great job of handling it and uh, you know putting the ball where it needed to go uh, and gave us a chance to win you know that that whole deal there at the end you know we go down we score uh, then we're down one uh, we elect to kick off uh, with the time remaining in our timeouts uh, we were able to get a three and out using the timeouts we got the ball back with you know 230 or so left um, you know, I wish we hadn't got the penalty on the punt return, but still we were able to drive it down, uh, get well within uh, field goal range uh, with no timeouts. And that's, you know, that's, that's a veteran quarterback. You know, it takes that to do that. And so I just think he, he gave us a chance to win on Saturday. All right, Mike Houston there talking about his QB, Holton Aylers. He also talked about the defense's performance. Uh, cut five. Well, you know, it's – the stuff with first games is, you know, you're out there and it's, you can, and we practice, you know, pretty game-like at times during preseason camp, but until you get out in the first ball game, you're not in the first ball game. And so, like, uh, you know, we give a, a post ball in the first half that you're like, how in the world do we do that? Well, it's, you know, it's the first game against speed, you know, against that, uh, that setting right there. So I thought we did a good job in the second half of settling down and just playing our style of ball. And I think that, uh, you know, I think we had five or six three and outs on the day. Um, I thought we defended the quarterback very, very well. Um, obviously, you know, the two big goal line stands, uh, the interception late in the fourth quarter to give us a chance to, you know, score. Um, you know, I just think our defense just found a way to respond all throughout the second half uh, to, uh, you know, not only help our offense get us back in the ball game, uh, but also give us a chance to win. Mike Houston there, a great defensive effort from the Pirates, especially in that second half. Uh, Let's see. He also, a little bit more on uh, ODU. Uh, He was asked how much the athletes on ODU's offense uh, concerns him. Cut 12. A lot. It's kind of the same way on defense, too. You know, they have, you know, solid players at every level on defense. But, you know, Ali Jennings I've known for a long time. He's, He's just, he's a high character kid, great competitor has length, speed, you know, really just a, a really good receiver. You know, the running back Watson, the thing that's the most impressive about him, I know he thousand yard rusher last year, all conference player and all that. <clears throat> you know, they're 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 trying to drive to win the ball game Friday night. Virginia Tech's got him fourth and two. Uh, they hit him probably three yards deep in the backfield. He bounces off two Virginia Tech players, uh, manages to gain the the yardage needed for a first down and just yards after contact you know he just does such a great job with that. he's a hard guy to tackle um you know the tight end had 73 catches last year second most in the nation so obviously 
very productive player right there, 6'8", uh, 260, so he's a big body, big frame. Um, and it all starts with the, the quarterback. And I think he, you know, last year when he took over, they went 5-2 and two down the stretch. Uh, and certainly with the win the other night, you know, he's a guy that has a lot of confidence uh, in running that offense. So I think they're going to present a lot of challenges to us on Saturday. All right, and finally, uh, Mike Houston was asked if uh, current ODU players played in that game against East Carolina a few years ago when East Carolina went to Norfolk, cut 13. Probably not as many uh, that played against us last time. Uh, there's a few. Uh, but, you know, a lot of these kids are from the state of Virginia. There's a lot from the state of North Carolina. Uh, you know, we cross over and recruiting a good, good bit against ODU. So, you know, we both know our roster is pretty good. Um, I know several of their coaches. So it's just – you know, they're two hours away. You know, so regionally you're going to know them pretty well and they're going to know us pretty well. All right, there is Mike Houston. We'll have some uh, updated Mike Houston here in a moment. Uh, so make sure you're following us, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and it'll be the interviews will be on YouTube. We'll have Mike Houston, Blake Harrell, Donnie Kirkpatrick there Wednesday. This is the final time we'll hear from those guys before they take on Old Dominion on Saturday. Take our final time out, come back, get ready to wrap things up on Pirate Radio Live after this. You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour of PRL is brought to you by Bud Light. Reminding Pirate fans to stay in the game and drink responsibly. Bud Light, the official beer of the ECU Pirates and proudly distributed by Carolina Eagle Distributing since 1989. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Taking a quick look at your stock market report before we end the show. It was a good day for the Dow. They were up 435 points at 31,581. NASDAQ was ahead 246 points at 11,791, and the S&P was up 71 at 3,979. And that is a look at your Wells Fargo Advisors stock market report for a personal look into investing. Call Wells Fargo Advisors today at 756-6900 in Greenville. Wells Fargo Advisors, LLC, member SIPC. Now, let's head back to the show. All righty. Quick look at the Buccaneer Music Hall School Board presented by Dub Buck. Dub Buck. Mets and Pirates playing a doubleheader today. Mets won game one, five to one, putting them a half game up on the Braves in the NL East. Atlanta right now has opened it up against Oakland. They're up seven to two. So if the Braves hang on, it's in the seventh inning. They will be once again tied with uh, the Mets, and we'll see what happens tonight between Mets and Pirates, and that will determine the. First place team in the NL East as the Braves have uh, caught up with the Mets. The Yankees and Twins are battling in New York. That game in the 10th inning, 3-3 three to three the score. Other games, uh, Igo's Mariners beating Patrick Mason's White Sox 4-2. to two. In the 6th inning, Dodgers a 3-2 lead over the Giants. In the 6th, those scores courtesy of the Buccaneer Music Hall presented by DeBuck. DeBuck. What's going on at DeBuck, Chan Man? I know you're a Buck guy. Uh, a lot of live music, um, music every day at the Buck. Whether it's DJ Captain Morgan on Tuesdays, uh, they got line dancing. Uh, I know they have line dancing. I think they're going to start doing it on Wednesdays. They usually do it on Sundays. But with football coming up, which yeah. I mean, they're going to have a big projector screen at uh, at the Buck. So go check out NFL Sunday at the Buck. Chandler is no stranger to the Bell's Fork Triangle on a on a Sunday. No, I'm not. Hit some tiebreakers, hit a little AJ's, hit the buck. I call it my triangle. 
you just said that, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I call it my NFL Sunday triangle. But yeah. Yep. Tiebreakers. Yeah, I said that Buck, too. I said all this AJ's, already. Yep. You're just yeah. repeating what I said. Yep. All righty. You know what, Chandler? I'm going to give you the day off on Friday. No, nah, I think I'm going to stay here. <laughs> I bet you won't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we will see you tomorrow. Yes, sir. And Shirley, we'll see you tomorrow. And all you fine people will talk to you tomorrow coming up 3 o'clock Thursday on Pirate Radio Live. Until then, have a great rest of your evening. So long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Pirate Radio Live, an exclusive presentation of the voice of the Pirate Nation.